Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The ensuing show will change, transform, and otherwise alter you. Good luck. Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, and suspects. Welcome back to another episode of Halloweenies. I'm your host for today, Michael Myers Rothman. And while we're done carving out the pumpkin that is Halloween Kills, available for streaming now via Peacock, mind you, we're still in Haddonfield, Illinois, where the mobs are mean, the streets aren't clean, and the system is completely broken, to borrow from our Yaz queen, Lori Strode. Now... You'd think, at least given our four-hour review, we'd be done with this small Midwestern town. No, no, no. Or hope. Uh, You know, or hope. uh, You know, at least until next year's Halloween ends, right? But look, (laughs) we promised a full month in Haddonfield, and we are giving you a full month in Haddonfield. And tonight, we went trick-or-treating. We hit up all our favorite locales. We went to the Wallace House, Doyle House, the Old Strode House, the Nelson House, the Carruthers house, because look, they're still around. And yes, even the Elam house. Elam? Elam. Whatever. Of course, it wouldn't be a Halloween night if we didn't hit up Lampkin Lane, more specifically 45 Lampkin Lane, which is where we've gathered to answer all your incredible questions. Fortunately for us, we've managed to evade Haddonfield's finest surrounding the old Myers house. And uh, we've gathered together in the former bedroom of Judith Myers, where apparently no one treats it like a crime scene, despite all the blood, the guts, and the bodies. But uh, look, helping me eat all of this candy are my fellow Halloweenies. Folks, you know him as the host of the most, and he can certainly go toe-to-toe with Michael. And you can say he's got a tongue as wicked as the season of the witch. Mr. Gerber, send me a tweet. <laughs> ah, yeah, this is Justin Gerber. Yes. I'm totally blanky on the great nickname for this episode. Justin Trick and Treat Scrubber. Um, <laughs> I have a question for you. When is it announced in the series the address of, of the Myers house? It's not I the first movie, s- right? I want to say it's maybe Halloween 6 because they they've specifically say 45 Lincoln Lane in that. 40, or, um, yeah, okay. okay. Although That's it could number. be in the novelization. I would have to look at I, It might be the novelization because like Farron's pulled a lot from the novelization mm-hmm. and I feel like they mentioned the address in there. But... Um, Maybe we could ask our next uh, Halloweeny. Uh, he's our uh, Haddonfield historian, Mr. Caffrey. Are you there? Uh, this is Dan Dracula Caffrey. That's right. Oh. It's vampire season again. Even though we're still talking about Halloween, I could be wrong. But in Halloween two, don't they mention the address? The original Halloween two. Maybe they do because it's like on the the um, you know when they're talking on the like the the walkie talkies. Yeah, I feel like I remember the police saying it, Debbie Hunt, maybe, but I don't. You know, don't quote me on that. We'll have to check. I guarantee there's someone out there who knows this. So if you do, I'm sure the listeners now are losing their minds and being like, you, "What? Yeah. You call yourself pros?" <laughs> uh, well, look, if we do have a pro here, uh, it's our next Halloweeny. He's taking a break from the Lost River Drive-In to talk to us tonight because he's got to head back to Lost River Drive-In. Who's our final Halloweeny tonight? This is Mikey and Moskowitz Vanderbilt. 
Coming nice. at you from the south side of Chicago. Uh, well, what do we got tonight playing at the Lost uh, River Drive-In? Ah, well, the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show. My, other, my other podcast is hosting a uh, double feature. We're recreating a double feature that came uh, to Chicago in September of 1959 with Hammer's The Mummy, a quintessential Hammer film, mm. and a little scene vampire gunslinger tale, cheapy, I could say, uh, Curse of the Undead. Oh, well, I do love uh, the, the Hammer adaptations. Is uh, this year I've been celebrating Monstober? With my yes, you have, Sammy. and I've been learning a lot because I haven't really watched a lot of Hammer films. And I got to say, um, they're pretty good. You know, they're uh, they're not too bad. I, I like how dark they get, um, and depression uh, or depressing because they get a little they get a little drama in there. Um, well, look, we got a lot of tricks and treats to sort through. So why don't we begin? Uh, the first question from Nicholas Johnson. Justin, you want to read it? Nick asks, if you had to choose a mask from one of the later movies to replace the original shape mask, which one would you choose? So for me, you can't do 1981's Halloween 2. No. Because it's the same mask. Yeah. And you can't even do the Halloween Green movies because, again, it's technically supposed to be the same mask. So hmm. I'd have to say, I guess, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. I agree. I think it's a creepier mask than the fifth movie, and I think it's creepier than the fourth one by far. So I always liked the kind of, almost like a pursed smile in that Curse of Michael Myers mask I always liked. Yeah, we talk about this all the time. If, if they had stuck with that mask for H2O, oh my God. It, would have been, just, it would have been a better movie. Yeah. I mean, that makes yeah. a huge difference. That it mask does. makes a huge difference, so there you go. Well, it's, it's weird because you look at the mask in H2O, and you wonder... Did they? I've actually started wondering and putting my tinfoil hat. Did they make the mask that fucking stupid to convey the fact that it was an actual paramedic underneath the, the or maybe? Oh no, the paramedic comes later. Never mind. I destroyed <laughs> well, yeah, that like theory. The paramedic's a killer. The entire the killer. Thing. The, well, hey, that would be more believable than what the fucking thing that the bait and switch they do in oh, Resurrection. God. Anyway, classic Caffrey. <laughs> yeah, Caffrey. If we're not using one or two, because I actually had that caveat on there too, or that handicap there. Um, although I did add, allow Helen Green, but we're taking it off the, the, the menu. What are you picking? I picked Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween, mm. which is not my favorite Halloween movie by any chance, but uh, or by any chance, by uh, any um, stretch of the imagination. But I do like the mask in it. Um, I, me- I remember that tweet he had around the time that was something like, not, to, not since 1978 has the shape looked this good, which I think I agree with. I would comb back the hair a little bit. The hair is a little, a little, little messy. Um, but overall, I like it. I like that you can't see his eyes in it. Um, it feels close enough to the original mask while still offering something fucked up and gnarly. So It does. <laughs> well, go with that. You know, you could have used the, the infamous quote from Melo Cool J from uh, H2O. Comb your hair, he says to John Tate. Um, <laughs> he just told Michael that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever yeah. notice that his hair in that the way Josh Hartnett looks and his haircut looks like the shape mask. Oh yeah, from the first, it's like the second movie. Yeah, it's even cool. his eyes Especially. look the same. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird thing. <laughs> it's so odd. Uh, Vanderbilt, what mask are you choosing? So I, all the masks in the sequels are awful, and I was ready to go with you guys on the Halloween Six Curse of Michael Myers mask, which I believe was designed by John Carl Beekler, or at it least was. he was part of the team. And it's used briefly in H two O when Marion's getting killed. That's right. But uh, I'm going to go with the fucking pumpkin mask from Halloween 3, The Curse of Michael Myers. Just have that on Halloween's head through all of the Halloween films. Yeah, that might figure into a, a, a question later on. Yeah. So let's see, oh, what yeah. let's see what we give there. There you go. That would be I, have, I have a similar answer for a question later on. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Interesting. Well, hey, uh, no spoilers, only tricks and treats. So um, we're going to keep them in the bag for now. Uh, I, I got to agree with Justin. I'm going with Curse of Michael Myers, although I did watch it last night. And there's a scene in the – I watched the producer's cut last night. And there's a scene where my <laughs> Michael's just, like, leaning up against the wall where he's just kind of frozen. And I was like, eh, mask doesn't look too good there. Um, there's, like, too much light or something. I think it looks great in the shadows. But then well, in the mask. Well, it's at the very end when he's in the bright hallway trapped yeah, by the room. It's like, a little I weird. That, I love that design of the bright hallways. But Michael Myers is just too kind of beefy mm-hmm. in, in that one for me. And, he's, and he's, he's so much the focus. He's so Like you said, like there's literally so much light shed on him that it's hard to cover up any flaws that there may be yeah although we'll say when he's in the dark in the shadows in that movie very frightening because you don't see anything in those eyes at all yeah i agree a lot of good Uh, stuff in that one yeah all right next question from rob 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 moran no just rob uh vanderbilt rob zombie maybe (laughs) rob zombie it could be yeah it could be so uh rob asks i happen to enjoy Halloween quite a lot but was less enthusiastic about it being a trilogy. Everybody had concerns about Halloween as a movie, but what were are your concerns with Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends, not just as movies, but as a trilogy? I, I, do I have to go into this anymore? <laughs> just a little, <laughs> can, well... Can I pass on this? You can pass I, I on this. You can pass. Go for it, Caffrey. Specific. I mean, obviously, if you want to hear anyone's gripes with Halloween or Halloween Kills, listen to the episodes, right? I do have... I had concerns about it being a trilogy from the beginning was because, A... You know Michael Myers isn't going to die, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yep. and that's kind of a given anyway, but still. The more specific problem that comes with that after the ending of Halloween is, okay, well, I can believe he survived that night, but then how are we going to have people actually fight him and then survive the next night, which we, of course, saw. And the answer is uh, throw all logic out the window, right? And once again, I'm a big fan of the window to Judith Meyer's room having some kind of metaphysical, possibly supernatural power. Where we're currently standing right now, so you better watch out. I know, yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Wait, do you think that the window has an actual supernatural power? I thought that was just a psychological reference that they were making. Like, he was just staring himself, and he was already I don't know. I mean, yes, that, but I think because it enchants the deputy in the beginning, uh, Karen... And Michael. I mean, I don't think Supernatural. Oh, that's like, a good point about the deputy. I didn't think about that. Yeah, like because I rewatch. <laughs> having seen the movie two more times, these things come in uh, and <laughs> into your mind. I guys. thought he was just trying to put himself into that place because he had just told the story about how mm-hmm. he was staring yeah. out the window. You know, I don't. I, that's I, you know, I don't. For. I don't think they're gonna do. You know, I don't think that with the third movie, it's gonna be like when Donnie Darko stabs the mirror or something like that. You know, but <laughs> I do. I. I think because Karen sees the hallucination of little Michael and I don't think it's going to get so explicit, but I feel like the window has some kind of power. I'm not saying it's going to be explained well or anything like that, but I feel, I think that's something they're playing around with. Um, but anyway, I, my point being that the problem with it being a trilogy is you sort of run out of people to fight Michael Myers and you run out of things to happen to Michael Myers, unless you want to just have him be not immortal, but an insanely strong I mean, pretty much immortal, I guess. Like, all the shit he goes through in this movie. And I, I, f- I figured something like that would happen, and of course it did. So that's that's my specific issue with it being a trilogy. Justin? I mean, you know, you can always... You, can, you, you have to take Letterboxd, Wikipedia, IMDb descriptions with a grain of salt, right? Because things can change, or sometimes people put that stuff in there that's not officially the, the true definition of whatever they're talking about. But if this movie... T- specifically takes place in an explicit COVID world or post-COVID world. <laughs> we talked about this ad nauseum. They have bungled any 
social statements they've wanted to make over the first two movies, whether you like the movies or not. Yeah. So I feel like that will just be an absolute nightmare to Agreed. have to contend with and have to discuss. And the discourse around that, the forced discourse around that, by the way, will be just nauseating. Like I'm already anticipating it for less than a year from now. No, it's... And I just don't... It's, not, it's just not... And that, in addition to the fact that I honestly just don't like this run, yeah. it's just not a world I want to revisit. We, like, I'm already we, ready to just kind of move on to something else or just never do another Halloween movie again, honestly. Can we call like, it really Force kind of Course? Exhausted. Force, force course, course from now on? Force Course? For, can force we trademark that term? Like Just force. We should have, you know, we should have, I think, I, I've never heard anybody else refer to it as Halloween, but this podcast. I know. We should have done some type of a trademark on that, too. We blew it. Yeah. No, what's funny about the discourse is that when I saw the second time that I was saw with my wife and our friend Casey, both, neither of whom knew any of the discourse around the movie. I mean, Susan had heard me bitch about it a lot, but she didn't, you know, she's not like following <laughs> Isn't it wonderful talking to people who don't spend no, time it's, on it, Twitter? It was actually really refreshing. <laughs> I, I was also texting my brother, brother-in-law who also hadn't been following any of that. And when I told them all about it, they were all just like, huh? Is that what the movie was going for? And I was like, they, that's what they're saying. And so it, it's both a blessing and a curse to know about that. Like on one hand, I like being informed about that because it opens it to honest criticism. But for them, they were like, oh, I just had fun. I didn't. I wasn't even right. thinking about anything sociopolitical with this movie because I, I actually true don't average audience goer. Anyways, so I, yeah, it was great. See, I tried to think about that on the rewatch on Friday and it's still just like it's so hammered down with like what they're trying to say like the evil dies tonight like even just without the political context it's just not a good script you know like I, yeah. I don't really ever get a sense that we're actually watching real characters with the exception of like you know flashes of nuance which is funny because I was alright so to be transparent like when I was starting this episode or thinking of what I was going to do for a monologue in the beginning I was like oh wouldn't it be funny if I just redo what you know Tommy says at the bar um, to kick off this episode. <laughs> so I looked up the script and I was like reading through the script and surprisingly like the script actually has a lot more nuance in terms of dialogue with like some of the characters. Like I feel like a lot of this stuff really was changed on set which kind of goes into what David Gordon Green, how he shoots, you know? Like when you look at like his comedies, a lot of it is just very like, all right, well let's just try to get that take again and again. I mean, you can watch the bloopers for, you know, Eastbound and Down, some of the greatest things that you could ever YouTube. And it's just them trying to like get the, you know, get the thing again and again, and then improving it sometimes. And I feel like maybe that kind of happened a little bit on set, but. Um, well, that works a lot better in comedy, but when you're yeah. talking about horror and suspense, it's all about editing no. and detention, and you can't just let people go loose. It has no. to be like really much more about the director's vision. Well, and I, I think, mean? and I think I would have been more open-minded to a trilogy if we're, you know, going back to the question, if it didn't revolve around Laurie. Like, you know, for me, I think that you could have actually done different movies set on different dates, kind of like Fear Street. Um, and I think I'd be more comfortable because I was already pretty wary of Laurie being in this. I remember I was on the way to Riot Fest that 2017 and I was being like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this. All right. Well, I guess my interest is a little lower now. But then, you know, going into the first movie and knowing that and then hearing about two more confirmed, it reminded me of like when you pay um, when it's like when you go to a really good restaurant or something like that that has courses. Right. And then the first course is just shit. It's like I don't really want to stick around for the next courses. Like it's just gonna be like, oh, really? What's well, oh, the same fuck, chef? I'm stuck here. <laughs> I'm stuck here now. That's it. So that's kind of how I feel with this. So I, I don't know. I think you could have done the trilogy and did three different stories, and you, honestly, we've been paying homage to the the anthology approach that Carpenter was trying to do years ago. But we're not in that alternate universe. We're in this one, and in this one, we have to ask another question from Colin Bartoldas. Caffrey, want to read this one? Absolutely. 
Do you think Halloween 3 would have been more warmly received if Dr. Loomis was investigating? Yeah, I cannot talk tonight. Sorry. Uh, my mouth's all gummed up with caramel apple. Uh, Dr. Loomis. Oh, razor blades. Sweet. Had to, had to, yeah, I had to think of something quick. I'll start over. Do you think Halloween 3 would have been more warmly received if Dr. Loomis was investigating Silver Shamrock novelties instead of Tom Atkins? I love Atkins in the movie. Me too. But I wonder if they were going to go down the anthology route, whether or not it would have made more sense to have a more direct connection to the first two films, even if Michael Myers didn't play a role. That's a good question. I, th- I think because at the time it was so poorly received, I think it would have been at least a little better received. I mean, there's no way it could have been worse received. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if it would have been as a hit. I just don't know if it, how big the interest well, was in the Halloween movies at that time. But I think it would have in the 80s been better received. What do you, y'all think, though? Well, that's just it. I don't know. When people talk about Halloween 3 being poorly received, they're really only looking at critical appraisal. Yeah. And critics didn't like any of these movies. So I am sure there are some... I mean, in fact, I know them. I know people who are a little bit older, older than me who saw Halloween 3 and enjoyed it at the time. My dad. Wait, well, how was the box office, though, for like, Halloween? I mean, the box office is poor. That's the thing. That's no, wait, no, it's good. I'm, I'm looking here. It says budget $2.5 million. It made 14.4. I mean, not amazing. Yeah, but how much did Halloween 2 make? Exactly. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. Good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah. the problem is that they, I mean, you're you're dealing with like a, box office phenomenon with Halloween. Yeah, Halloween 2 made almost $30 million, so almost as, yeah, twice as much as Halloween 3. So, yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, I think having Loomis in there, I mean, it's fun to think about it now, but I don't think they would have even done it because they were totally distancing themselves mm-hmm. away. And if you're looking at the mythology of the movie, Halloween is a movie in Halloween 3 because it's mm-hmm. playing on the TV. Well, you just wouldn't have that scene. If, I guess, yeah. Or you keep it and then you really fuck, fucking confuse oh, everyone. Yeah, why not? Honestly. <laughs> I think it would have been easier to market it, though. It would have been some cheesy marketing, like, uh, 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 1978, Dr. Samuel Loomis contended with evil, and now he has to, and now five years later, he encounters a new, some cheesy like that, right? I mean, but you know, I'll market you, it that way. I'll but. tell you what, now I'm picturing Donald Pleasance as a fuck machine. In Halloween three, and I'm I've got the same thing here. I said, I'd love, quite a I said bit. I'd love to see him have a love affair with Ellie, the Ellie bot. You know, it'd be pretty great. The Ellie bot, yeah, that's true. Um, skated six times. I, I don't think. I think. It, I think it would have been worse or off. I, I just think that the movie will always be standalone. I, I, I don't really understand. I mean, we're going to get into it a little bit later on. I don't know why everyone's bending over backwards to make this part of like officially canon. Like it's like what, what Vanderbilt was saying. Like it's just, it, it is what Who's it is. Making it canon. Well, I know, but people like you look at critics and you look on Twitter and like everyone that are fans now are all just being like, "How do we make this more part of the thing?" Like there was a well, you know, that's the interview, question, isn't it? That we were it is, and that's yeah, what we'll talk about. It. But okay, but like I just think you just got to take take it for what it is. It was a standalone movie. It was a project that an experiment that didn't work, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, and that's that. Um, you know, it's it, it could have led to the the fall of the Halloween uh, franchise, almost like the fall of Troy. Um, And that's our next question. I'll read this one. Troy says, imagine you've been tasked to redesign Michael's look for an upcoming Halloween movie. You can keep the mask if you'd really like, but it's not required. No mechanics jumpsuit, no black boots, and no butcher knife. (laughs) Is this a Halloween movie, folks? Uh, What do you do? Um, I mean, for me, I I like the look of Halloween 4. I think we talked about this in the episode. That's my answer, Mike. Well, I just think if they kept it, it kind of would have been a little more in tone with like what the movie was setting out to do in the beginning. I mean, of course that's dismissing the actual motive of the movie itself of bringing back Michael Myers. <laughs> so I don't know what audiences would do in 1988 if they're like the return of Michael Myers and then it's just bandage man walking around. But 
I, I don't know. I, I really like that look. It's it's haunting as hell, even though we only get like one little glimpse of it in the diner. But I'm sorry, Justin, I didn't mean to, to no, pick I'm you back. No, I, I, I agree with you. Go on. Yeah. yeah. I, does anyone else have any other... Put him, uh, put him in the man in black outfit from the end of the producer's cut of Halloween 6 and the pumpkin mask from part 3. That's how I'd do it. Ooh, I thought cool. for a Mr. second, Mr. Halloween. I thought for a second you you meant much like your dress right now, Vanderbilt, Men in Black, like the you know, movie Men in Black, and I'm just picturing <laughs> Michael in a suit and him going. The difference between you and me puts on a mask. <laughs> I make this look good. <laughs> I make this look good. For some reason, Tommy Lee Jones is in the movie too. I'll put a <laughs> yeah. put a pin in it. That's the new meme. Hey, Tommy Lee Jones was in, uh, in, was in, in, in H2O. Young Tommy Lee Jones. Am I right, everyone? Oh yeah, that's. Uh... In the wait, beginning, what? or wait, 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 what do you mean? No, Josh Hartnett. Like when that came out, everyone was like, "Oh my god, this kid looks just like a young oh, Tommy oh, Lee Jones." Yeah, he that was really does actually. Yeah, that. that's what I said. remember hearing that. Said, yeah, is that your brother-in-law again talking about that? <laughs> He's like Dan. I, <laughs> Dan, He's like, I don't know, kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was U.S. Marshals. I was going to. Uh, <laughs> I actually said similar to Vanderbilt with pumpkin mask. I'm thinking of the Halloween novelization cover from the '70s, which is oh, Michael yeah. in like either a hospital gown or a bedsheet, one of the two with a pumpkin head and so i was like oh what if he had the hospital gown on but got the the silver shamrock pumpkin mask and i don't know what he would kill people i mean as we saw in this movie he doesn't need a knife to kill people he can kill people with uh just about anything, anything. Really. his thumbs i mean right <laughs> just the legend of sleepy haddonfield yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i mean he'd yeah. have a hard time hiding in the shadows with like a bold white you know hospital <laughs> gown yeah, like, what's that, what's like that guy wind. over there you know nice ass michael <laughs> Oh, look at that. Maybe like who's there. who's that guy over there? Is that Halloween or like oh no, it's just the umbrella man. Let him go. Just, just get him out of there. Oh yeah, that's true. It's just he wears the, the, same the thing. five foot two umbrella man who we mistook for Michael Myers. Uh, who the, even, even though they show both of them on the news and we would all know what Michael Myers looks like because he had a public I'm very uh, we, sure. we gotta stop shit yeah, yeah, Hey, we I love that. Hey man. My ratings cream up. Dan, I'm tired of you criticizing Halloween kills. I gave it three I gave it three stars. You sure did. I didn't give it a Four. It might change the four, yeah. just like I have Halle Green on Letterbox. <laughs> well, look at your Letterbox scores. Your Letterbox <laughs> scores. I thought I liked all the Halloween movies for the most part. You really, you're going the, you're, you're I go, I Yeah, I score, uh, I'm a pretty high grader. What can I say? And, very, uh, you'd be a great teacher. I think <laughs> I would, yeah. I, hey, you know, I have I have taught and one of my, uh, let's say every, everyone like, loves getting great grades. <laughs> great grades. I, um, I think if I watch Halloween Kills like eight more times, it'll probably go up to four stars. Well, at least it's, you know, we have COVID as an excuse, or I guess. I don't even know anymore. But, as, but for you to stop like going to the theaters like you did in 2018, you know, like when you'd go to like late night, nine o'clock screenings to be like, Susan, I got to see if I like this still. I got to go back. I got to go back. Now I just watch um, it on Peacock over and over. Again. That is true. When, when they announced it was on Peacock, the first thing I thought of was like, oh my God, this is Caffrey's Christmas gift like early on. Like just going to. How many times bucks, have you man. seen it already? Uh, three so far, twi- okay. uh, twice in theater. Well, one, the press screening once in regular theaters, uh, which was great, full audience, highly recommended. Um, and then uh, once on Peacock, which was also nice. And in, in, in this orange glow behind me on the couch with my dog with the headphones, I love it. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, great. No, it's good. That's it's why good. three times is actually going to be one more time than I will ever see it. <laughs> After next year's commentary, that'll be a wrap, I think. Uh, well, maybe maybe uh, <laughs> Caffrey, maybe Caffrey will see it twenty times eventually. And what's on a twenty dollar bill? Um, oh, is that a, oh uh, my god! Jackson? Is that Andrew Jackson? Yeah, sure the is. troubled the troubled Andrew Jackson. Well, we're not hearing from him today. We're hearing from Andrew Favre. Uh, Justin, why don't you take this question? Okay, this is from Andrew. Let's say Michael finally bites it and stays dead at the end of the next movie. Oh God, fingers crossed. Who would you want to take over the mantle 
as the Haddonfield Boogeyman. How would that come about? Maybe Ben Schrammer gets possessed or, you know, something not lame. <laughs> pretty good pretty good bit. It was just a good bit. I like the Ben Schrammer It was a good bit, bit yeah. Uh, my, my pitch? Hear me out. Big John and Little John <laughs> in Halloween, the ghosts of the Myers house. <laughs> Let's do it. And you always know they're coming when you hear that Halloween song. In the background, oh, yeah. creeping up, and you know that's that's how you know they're going to come and get you. It could be a lot. Like, it could be like CBS's Ghosts or whatever that show is now. You know, um, what is that show like, called again? It's the one with uh, the guy called, Luke Cage. Oh, is that something that, enough? That was Luke Cage, right? No, that's um, the X Files ripoff show. I'm sorry, the X Files. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, inspired show. Excuse me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But hey, you know, fun show. That sounds like a fun. Or are you talking about show or movie? Just ghosts walking around a movie. Oh, well, hell, let's make this for CBS. It'll be no. Actually, I apologize. It'll be for NBC Universal, which of course owns yeah. the rights. Peacock. Uh, let's do twenty-two episode seasons. Um, for NBC, let's do six seasons. Holy shit! One hundred thirty-two episodes. Uh, Halloween, the Ghost of the Myers House, but just Big John, Little John. No other victims involved. Oh just my God. them. No other ghosts. Problems. No other ghosts. Can we bring the ghosts from the Frighteners in there? You know, I'm they sorry, pop in we have contracted right. Michael McDonald as Little John. And the guy from El Camino and Righteous Gemstones. That's Big John. Uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, Vanderbilt, what's your pitch? Could you repeat the question? No. <laughs> uh, Ghosts. I, you know, I don't know. You know what? Um, what was I thinking? Uh, oh, uh, David Gilmore. It, it's been done for Hello Green. He's obviously, it's obviously so, David so Gilmore saying- playing the role. <laughs> So like what David Gilmore like tours to Haddonfield and he's like oh this Michael Myers guy is pretty cool and then he like starts killing people. I, I, if Michael Myers or rather I take that back. If Halloween is dead at the end of Halloween ends, like just please for the love of God let evil die for a couple years, just a couple, just give me a couple years without another fucking Halloween. We did. Hey, we, well, we, we had a lot. A we had like nine years without yeah. one. You know. You know, and look what happened when it came back. You know? I know. I know. Caffrey. Yeah, I, know. I know too well. I, I feel like we've talked about this before, maybe thought that this is what the first movie was going to hint at in 2018, but I feel like maybe one way to justify how, how fucked up this movie was and how brutal it was is make Allison the killer. I mean, I don't know. She's She's gone through so much. Like, if they really want to make this a narrative about trauma and they really want to comment on how the mob mentality or whatever can negatively impact you. I mean, do that for real. Like, I feel, I feel like maybe they could actually say something with that. Do they kind of do that at the end of Rob Zombie's Halloween too, though, with Laurie? They do. Kind of becoming they, Yeah, they, I think it, well, it depends on what ending you have, right? Well, but that whole movie, regardless of the ending, is, is getting at that. They did it with those, uh, those chaos comics back in the day too. Mm-hmm. Not the ones I was talking about, the ones before that. They, I think they had, um, Laurie was Michael Myers. Michael Myers actually was dead, and Laurie had taken up his mm-hmm. mantle because she had been driven so nuts by everything they that had happened. To her. Do suggest it at the end of Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. They do, yeah. And like, let's, really, let's really follow Michael up Myers. on it, though, right? Because I feel like we always hint at it. I mean, yeah, I guess they never argue. follow. IP is king. Yeah, they they hint king. at it with uh, with Jamie in Halloween Four too, but then they well, just oh, forget about it the next morning. Say I got a I got a little pitch involved in that uh, coming up um, soon. Um, I, I don't know. I think the I think the best way to do I don't want anybody really. I don't want anyone to take the mantle. I think the best way to do this is just a complete fucking reboot after this. Like, if you do end up doing it, and I and I shared an article with you guys like on Friday, but I was really fucking blown away by the 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 pitch from the Hellraiser writers, the Ben Collins, Luke uh, Piotrowski. Like, 
if you could read the whole thing on, we'll, we'll share it on our, um, we actually shared it on Twitter already, but you could read the whole fo- a column. It's the Phantom Limbs. It's Jason Jenkins' Phantom Limbs column on Bloody Disgusting. But, I mean, basically their gist was to kind of strip away any of the sort of like, you know, gluttonous mythology that has kind of weighed him down and just really focus on like what makes him scary, which is just the shape. And he's kind of a drifter that goes from one small town across America and each Halloween could be, you know, a different town each season. And they basically kind of turn Michael Myers or the shape into this almost like creepypasta thing where people hear about these kills all across, you know, the nation, but they don't really believe in the sense, you know, it's kind of like the Slender Man thing. But the way that they described it was that they likened it to like no country for old men and drive as this like sort of like faceless, nameless character. And I fucking loved it. And I was like thinking about it so much over the weekend and, I don't know. I just think I think you would have you would have infinite possibilities on there, and especially franchise potential. And it just gets you away from any of the well, we've been here and done that. Because I don't want to see another Michael Myers origin story. I don't want to see Laurie Strode walking around. I don't want to see any of it. I just want something fucking brand new that can take place on Halloween that can spiritually be involved in that. And like, this is this is one of the best pitches. I I, I couldn't believe how fucking good it was. And I want more. I want it. I want it to happen. Um, anyway. They'll come out right after Neil Blomkamp's Alien. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously, Jesus Christ. Um, well, look, I'm a huge fan of Michael Mann, huge fan, um, and I like a lot of his movies. I, and I really like the underrated Ali. And that's uh, who's asking the next question here. A Ali Kaffer, you want to take this one? Sure. Uh, can you think of any way to connect the Thorn, H2O, and Halloween timelines, however absurd, convoluted, fantastical, or ludicrous it may be? I mean, someone was already doing it. I know I'm always on this train. That's what the uh, Steph Hutchinson comics were doing. I mean, t- technically not Halloween because that hadn't come out yet. Yeah, that was uh, my uh, answer. Was actually I said I want to concede my time to Dan because I didn't find <laughs> it kind of interesting how they did it, though. Can yeah, you know I mean, and obviously we did, unfortunately didn't get the actual issues to come out. But um, what if you read those comics, what the endings were hinting at was that for the so those comics take place in the uh you know h2o to resurrection timeline and they actually they implement resurrection in a way that's actually kind of cool but what they were hinting at was that tommy doyle is has grown up to become a comic book writer and he actually writes tarantula man and a lot of the stuff that (laughs) we see him reading in 1978 and what it was looking like and from talking to steph a while back um it was going to be that he wrote these comics that the movies four, five, and six were then based on. So it w- and so the comics he was writing were actually like a little bit different, a little bit more violent, and then the movies were coming out, and they were all in the same universe. And I don't know. It's funny because I feel like the multiverse thing is just not novel anymore, right? I wish it was, but it's it's not with Marvel and and everything else that's coming out. And for me, a multiverse actually lowers the stakes because then it's like, well, anything can come back, right? But exactly. I actually think Steph mm-hmm. was ahead of the curve with this. And in, in a more unconventional way, because these were such hard things to connect, right? And I love that he, and I, I don't think he loves all those sequels necessarily, but I love that he actually did have the fans in mind and was going to do it in a way that wasn't going to compromise the main story he was telling. I think it was actually going to elevate it because the the Mar- uh, Mark of Thorn, I think, was the series that didn't come out. I think you were going to see parallels to what was happening in the main universe with Michael Myers killing and then with these comics and movies. So that's my answer. I still fucking hope those comics get finished someday. I have no idea if they will, especially with this, this new thing. Maybe once the new timeline comes out, they'll have no choice but to do that. Maybe they'll go back to him and say, hey, Steph, we need a way to connect all this. So that's my long-winded answer well, to that question. Hey, Dan, we did our patron, Dan, 
so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's you that actually asked this, but um, <laughs> yeah. they asked, or like later on, they, the, the, well, just might as well do it now since we're talking about comics, but they said, you know, I was revisiting the Halloween episodes and I was wondering if an episode of the various Halloween comics was still a possibility. I think that, I think Dan is missing out on your interview from last year because you had a full interview with Stefan, right? I did, yeah. It was great. I mean, Steph's been no joke, like a hero of mine for a long time. Um, and he reached out to me after I wrote this AV Club article about the comics years ago, um, which was just such a, a treat. And it, I, I don't know, I respect him so much. I think he builds worlds in a way that we always throw around this term world building with like the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe and whatever else. And I actually feel like half the time we're not actually world building. We're just referencing the world from the past. Yep. And I felt like with him, he was, and I think these new movies, they get all this credit for expanding Haddonfield, this and that. And I'm like, man, his comics are already doing that. And I like the new <laughs> movies, but, and it's because they're out of print. There's like no way to, I mean, you can read them online. You can Google them, but like, there's no, they're not widely distributed. And I think it's a shame because I feel like he deserves far more credit than he gets, especially because they, they were considered canon for like a decade until these new movies came out. Um, yeah, so you can go... Is that still on Patreon, Mike, or is that unlocked? Yeah, the, no, no, it's on. It's in. It's uh, It's here and um, it's in our It was feed. a question here. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's, but it's yeah, in Dan, our... It's, the episode's in our feed for sure. Yeah, go listen to it, Dan. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll do like a full-on dissection of, of the comics. Well, that's what I also read it as that maybe yeah. he wants to literally break down could. Every Man. comic. I thought that's what he might have been I'd be to. down for it. I mean, it's it would be a hefty. It's a, hey, it's more if uh, if y'all are up for it. It's a hefty task. There's a lot of them, and they didn't even get to finish them all. And th- and there there is a lot to talk about with them too. Justin, you've read yeah. some of them. Yeah, I've read a couple of them. Yeah, you, you borrowed a couple from years ago. Yeah, yeah. I like the chaos comics run. Like I thought those are fun. Yeah, the chaos ones are fun too. I, yeah, I like them. But I think the guy who wrote those is, is dead now. Uh, oh really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. For sure. Um, not to not to get morbid, but hey, it's Halloween, right? But yeah, maybe I would totally do a full dissection of it. Um, I mean, there's yeah, I don't know. I if you can't find them, and chances are you can't because they're very hard to find out, unfortunately. Um, just look for them on like Comicsology or whatever. The, I mean, just Google like read Halloween comics PDFs, and you'll be able to find them. And Steph has confirmed he's fine with people doing that because there's no way to actually buy them. So it's not like he's losing he- money. Has he done? Um, did he do the convention special that they had? That was he like did, the, yeah, yeah, okay. the one good scare. Okay. Yeah, that was the first one. That's what started it all. He just did okay. this one off, and then, um, yeah, and then it kind of just that did really well, and it blew up from there. I would recommend if you, uh, I mean, there's a, they jump around all in the decades too, so you could read them chronologically or publication order. I think the best introduction is the. 30 years of terror issue which is um yeah i remember that i still have that one oh, I think, it's so, so good hold on to it man yeah worth that no i know yeah uh, it, it's great though it's just it's just short story like it's like an anthology comic um uh, tales from haddonfield throughout the years involving michael myers you get to meet the mckenzie's um that well like i said even they even have a resurrection story that's good um if you can believe <laughs> that so yeah um good stuff love steph love those comics i hope i hope we see more of it down the line Justin, do you have any way that you can kind of connect these? These I honestly just said, I mean, <laughs> let's go. I, maybe here's what you do for the uh, so you do that. You've got Tommy who's written comics. Mm-hmm. This is not mocking this. I like this idea of trying to keep it alive. Tommy's writing comics about four, five, and six, and then you've got somebody who would it be in Hallow Green who's writing a story, a novel about about Tommy Doyle writing comics about four, five, and six. So that's how you keep it going. That's how you keep the comments going. There you go. I've got, I've got the best idea and it'll never, ever fucking happen. We've already, we've already introduced mysticism in, and I feel like maybe I was a little dismissive of the last question. So this kind of ties into what I think they should do the next time around. We've introduced mysticism into the, into the franchise with, especially with part six, just have some kids open a portal and 
do you know do Marvel do the MCU where we have several Halloweens in in Haddonfield at one time the one from part four the one from part five the one from part six you have Tom Atkins in there you have the masks from Halloween three that can turn kids heads into snakes and just go all out weird and wild paging Finn Wolfhard I know, yeah. You could do that, or um, what's another one that's like, yeah, I guess because of Stranger Things, like, um, yeah, there you, you wouldn't have to bring back, uh, you wouldn't have to bring back Jamie Lee Curtis again. You could, you could, oh, yeah. you have to. It'll be three you different. Could do, uh, it'll, be, it'll be cropped, cropped hair like H two O Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh-huh. Yeah, hair. Well, I mean, I would love that if they could pull that off in in mm-hmm. some way, but I just think that would be cool and weird, and why not? So, back when I was, you know, long before I met any of you. When I was alone in my Halloween fandom, I spent so many hours, especially just trying to get away from a lot of stuff, just writing random stories for Halloween. And I remember after Halloween H2O, this is before Resurrection came out, I was thinking, okay, well, they they never really fully acknowledged that 4 through 6 didn't happen. And so I became obsessed with the idea that you can connect them. And you don't have to bring back Michael either, because I didn't want to betray the ending of Halloween H2O. And... I didn't even realize that a lot of what I was talking about was very similar to the Halloween 4 script and that, like, you know, the more you talk about it, the boogeyman comes out. And so, because I had this idea of this, like, specter that would come through Haddonfield. Um, honestly, at this point, though, you know, and, I, and I've sat down and I, I've tried to figure this out in my head because I really took this, this question to heart because this is exactly what I would do, you know, as a teenager trying to figure out when I was really beyond obsessed with this franchise. And I think the problem is it really boils down to the kids because, like, you know, with H2O, you can easily connect Halloween 4 through 6. All you have to do is just toss in that book report scene. That's it. It's a great scene. It should have been in there, and it would have been fucking great because then you'd have a solid, you know, eight movie or seven, eight, seven movies at the time. Well, six movies if you're not counting three. Jesus. Um, Mike, but, I have a question about that. Yeah. Because I always thought about how you, you could almost even say, well, maybe she did have Jamie, but she left. But then you have to figure in her son. So how did that work in the original script? Like, there's, he, she just took her son with her, but left her daughter behind. I, I think she that. had John after. Um, oh, so this would take place like in 2005, not really 20 years later. No, saying. no, I, I think like in in the script, it's supposed <laughs> to be that John. I mean, because John would be younger than Jamie, I imagine, because like by '98, he's only just starting high school. Jamie at that point, well, maybe it would be too close. Yeah, it's too close. What is he? Yeah. He turns seventeen and. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. that's 80. Yeah, he's like two or three years younger than Sort of an 81. Alive in Haddonfield. Yeah, that's mess. true. It is a mess. Okay, <laughs> so then, anyway, I, the Halloween Green definitely puts that away because not only do you have, you know, Michael in jail, but the fucking town of Haddonfield feels like it's been in skates since 1978. So, not going to happen. Uh, oh, Paul, I hear a question, Paul. Vanderbilt, you got the keys. Ask. All right. Paul's question. Paul Jacoby. Oh, the Jacobis. Oh, yeah. Go yeah. back to Leigh Blondo's videotapes. Do you think it would be possible to tell a standalone Michael Myers slash Shape Tale without any references to Haddonfield or to Strodes at this point? If so, what type of scenarios do you envision? A return to Babysitter Stalker uh, or maybe a period piece set in the 70s or 80s. A big fan of the period piece. I kind of think that's what they should maybe do with the next run of James Bond movies. Maybe take it back to the 60s. Um, God, that'd be amazing. 
And for Halloween, I mean, if you really did a true back to basics approach, it, I think Fool that could once. work. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, but if you did a simple, I think you could guess, you could make a simple story. But I think you have to keep it in Haddonfield. I think Haddonfield's part of the lore at this point. You'd have to keep the mask, the jumpsuit, and Haddonfield. But that's it. That's all you need to keep. You can do whatever yeah. you want. Well, it's I funny. Agree. I think the closest they came was actually Halloween Resurrection. It was. Yeah. Which is weird to think about, but they really got rid of the whole <laughs> sibling storyline at the very beginning, and they was just back home. God, um, so bad. Obviously, it's so bad. But Oof. My answer was actually going to be something along the lines of what, what Mike had talked about. My reference was the writers of the upcoming Hellraiser movie had some interesting ideas about this. <laughs> and I was going to say, Mike, what was that again? Because it was what you talked about with um, how you take exactly him out of that. Field. So that's, yeah. that's an interesting idea. But again, I don't know if audiences would go for it, honestly. I, I don't know. I think that some people well, are afraid to take risks, especially big studios who are so afraid of taking risks, When, especially if you don't have a big franchise like uh, Marvel or DC or, you know, Fast and Furious. But it's, yeah. like, ironic because yeah. to me it's that sounds like a not-risky movie, right? Just a simple – like, I keep thinking of the Halloween 2 movie that never happened where um, he followed Laurie to a city and stalked her yeah. in a high-rise. Like, they don't have to do Laurie, but, like, that would be cool, right? And to me, I'm like, oh, that's, send like, him to the hood. That's we don't send, <laughs> If you don't send her to space, you send him to the hood. In these Box <laughs> office smash Leprechaun in the hood, it's, and it's sequel, Back it's to just, the Hood. It's just funny to me that, like, in a, in a, in a way, a back to – like – they don't really know how to do back to basics because to me that doesn't sound like a risky thing like one location simple you don't have to pay attention to any convoluted lore or whatever but it's so weird that to me that studios are afraid to do that i, I, know. I don't know it's bizarre that i honestly caffrey like that really was when i read it i was like how did they not green like this because this is a guaranteed low budget hit over and over again every year like you could it's just so easy and you don't have to bring in the same writers you could literally just keep on I mean, it's just an easy way to do IP and tell original stories if you think about it, you know. But I don't know. I mean, for me, it, 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 for this type of question, it's it kind of goes back what I've been, you know, bemoaning since Halloween Green started, you know, which is that when they announced Halloween Returns and then they initially canceled it, I did an op-ed piece about how, you know, you need to go back to the original one. You know, that's the only out, the outlook we have right now is to just make a sequel to the original one. And my thing was is that, you know, you kind of pick up a few years in Haddonfield, so like around 1981 or 1982, and I really thought this pitch out finally. I've, I've talked about it. I've kind of hinted at it, but I really thought it out today. You know, at this point, you know, Michael Myers has become even more of an urban legend, and you know, because they never got him. Um, so you kind of take the neighborhood campfire tale and, from the original one, and you build it up even more. And that's the mythology. You know, it's not tangled in weeds. You don't have all these other things. It's just that he killed some people. He left that's that so it's a little more cerebral so I, I kind of mix that idea with like Monster Squad E.T. Stranger Things The Gate basically you, you know you kind of get down to the point of view of what Tommy Doyle was which is really a major point of view of the first one and you kind of have a bunch of latchkey kids hosting a big Halloween sleepover and each one of them see the boogeyman throughout the day and then at night and you know they don't really have anyone to turn to because the parents aren't there because they're all latchkey kids um, and then you could have like older siblings to kind of shake up the demographic a little bit. Like maybe the older brother comes in or, you know, and the, Josh the, the older type. sister. Exactly. And then that kind of, kind of makes some good scares. Cause you think like, Oh, it's Michael, but it's actually, you know, just the older brother. Um, but here's the thing though. Like, unlike a lot of those movies, like these kids die, <laughs> like they are, they're left to their own devices. They don't really have any options. Everyone thinks they're just playing Halloween pranks. And 
again, just like the first one, he gets away. You, you don't do enough damage on him where you kind of take away the fact that, like, he's just the Terminator. Like, you know, they're a bunch of fucking kids. So, you know, whoever survives, survives. But, like, Michael gets away so that you can make another story down the road. So it's kind of similar to what the Hellraiser thing was doing. But, like, it's – you still keep it in Haddonfield. That, all that stuff that happened in Haddonfield's there. Hell, you could have Deputy Hunt as a character if you really wanted to. You know, but it doesn't keep you constrained to the Strodes and all that other shit. But anyway – Anyone else have any other? I like uh, that. Let's pitches. Fuck, it's, fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. You know. I, and plus, I just don't see. You know. Granted, a lot of this idea came through in 2016. Was right when Stranger Things started. But I just feel like you know the kid element is just always the lost. same idea. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I like. I did like that pitch for Halloween Returns that I wrote. I wrote a little piece about for the AV Club when that news broke that they were supposed to be filming within months and it never went through. And I, as much as we've talked about, you know you kind of need to get rid of the brother-sister element. I think that's the only thing that makes it notable to keep bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly, yeah. And that's, I mean, it, that's where the hollow green ones, I think that's a big mistake from the get-go. Yep. I'll never understand why they went through the whole rigmarole, rigmarole and have her be such a, fo- a focus point. I just don't get it, and her family for that matter. You know, well, like, the jail is is the, the is the biggest thing that that'll. I I, <sighs> I thought about it because he, you know, David Gordon Green was on the um, the big picture with Sean Fennessy, and there's no way in hell I would not not be able to ask him that. Like, why? <laughs> well, who came up with the idea to put him in jail for 40 years? Like, why? Why complicate this? Anyway, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anyone's asked that. <laughs> like, it's an easy question. I just I don't know. Anyway, Blake Feaser. Vanderbilt, do you want to read this one? Sure. Uh, Blake Fieser asks, this is more or less a quote-unquote what-if scenario that I'd love to hear you guys weigh in on. The original Dennis Etcheson script for Halloween 4 had a lot of really out-there goodies in it. With Halloween 3 being something completely new for the series and out of the box at the time, do you think the franchise as a whole would have benefited more from using a script like this and expanding on the mythology world-building that this one laid out in it rather than what we end up getting and if so, what are some ideas you've guys had for the series over the years? So I think we've talked, I know I've talked about my ideas for the series over the years. I know Rothman has, and I know that Justo has a, a script, and I know Dan has been thinking about this most of his adult life. Uh, but I do think anything would have been better than Halloween 4. And I think, I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna say that if that script came, if they, if they shot that script, they would have gotten critical praise but I think critics may have been kinder to it for at least having a little bit of imagination. Yeah, and I, I love Halloween 4, but I do think Edgenson's script, which I love, would have just created more opportunities and not forced them to revamp this timeline every single go-around. Um, yeah, that's my thought. Like, I, I, I love Halloween 4, so I'm, I'm cool with the movie you got. What were you guys going to say, though? You go, Justin. Oh, I, I mean, we've talked about I really love that script. Yeah. Um, We've obviously read a lot of un, unpublished script, unproduced scripts over the years, but that one has really stuck with me. I, I just died a year or two ago, right? Did he Did die? He, really? he died, I think, shortly after we even talked about it or something. I'm pretty sure. If he's not dead, please look this up. He I remember did. in our I Demons am. episode, I said that the, the guy who plays uh, the pimp died, but he's, he's still fine. He's alive. No, he died during <laughs> our second season. He did. So, okay, the, yeah, the, the May 28th, 2019. Wow. Um, but I'll tell you once again, folks, we. we producers want to keep some of this stuff simple for the most part or as simple as they can so 
at the end of the day, I'm not surprised they just went with the, the more simple script of Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers because people yeah. just wanted Michael Myers back, not not the you know not the you know the town kind of getting him back into the swing of things. And it's a I I almost don't even want to spoil the script because I think it's a really revealing script that if you yes, you'll find script. it out there, it's really creepy. And um, speaking of Halloween Four, uh, if you want, go to our social medias. I posted a old Postal Zone I found in an old issue of Fangoria upon the release of Halloween 4 and fans were split on that one too and it's int- it's fun to read those letters from over you know 20 years ago now 30, 30 years, years ago, ago now. Yeah, yeah it's wild I, that, I, this has been going on since the beginning of time that people have either loved or hated a, a, a sequel to a popular horror film I know I, I feel like even H2O I don't know. I feel like the res- the response when H2O came out was pretty fucking vivid, like happy. Um, uh, yeah, that ending was. Split. That ending Even got like, universal seemed to like that one. I remember at the time. Yeah. Um, I I still 100% agree that this this would have been the best way to have gone. But I, I mean, I like what Justin said, it just wasn't going to happen. I mean, like, I think the problem is is that you have Halloween too. The minute you set the precedent that Michael Myers is coming back, it's like, and you're making money. It's 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 just you're not going to happen. It's just not going to stop it. It's going to be more unstoppable than Michael Myers itself. I mean, I think had Halloween three been Halloween two, I think it probably would have been able to warrant the, the anthology approach. And then if you think about it, knowing everything we know now about what happened in the eighties and, and and whatnot, I, I I think about something that someone said on a Halloween message board long long ago, back in probably like AOL days. And someone said, Prince of Darkness spiritually feels like a sequel to a Halloween film. Like, it could have been a Halloween movie had they gone the anthology approach. And I was like, yeah, you know, that, that, that could work. And I actually think the Halloween set piece of a holiday probably would have centered the film a little bit more because the film gets a little unruly at times. But um, I think you do that. You see a lot of original stories from a lot of Carpenter's men. Like, you know, you get Nick Castle maybe doing a movie. Um, maybe Tommy Lee Wallace goes and writes a couple more. Um, Carpenter could come back, you know, because look, Carpenter still likes tell, talking about tales of Halloween. He fucking runs a comic book about it. So like, I think you would have had a lot of movies that we saw as the Carpenter or the Carpenter cadre to borrow from you guys for the, you know, the, the howling episode. I think you would have seen a lot of that if the anthology approach would have gone forward. Um, and you might've seen a more inventive franchise. I, I, and I, and I don't think it would have been, Maybe it wouldn't have been as successful, but it certainly would have won audiences. I mean, because like we were saying before, like, you know, everything found an audience. Like, Prince of Darkness even has an audience. Like, they have fucking shirts from Fright Rags on based on this stuff. So it's like everything finds an audience at some point. I just wouldn't be the colossal blockbuster, and we wouldn't probably be talking about it as, like, people would be talking about it as much as they do now, I don't think. but That's correct. Anyway, roger that. And Roger happens to be the next question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I started this stupid seg thing. Um, Justin, go for it. Okay, Roger. Roger, Roger. Roger Vector. It's 1978. There is no score to Halloween, just a soundtrack of Sweet 78 Jams. Perhaps still the same by Bob Seger, hot-blooded by Foreigner. How would it affect the film's legacy? The score is responsible for at least half of why... Well, this is my answer. I apologize. I, let me like, get to my answer. <laughs> the score... I mean, let's, the score is responsible for, like, at least half of why the movie works, yeah. in my opinion. I, I, it makes such a huge difference. Having said that, let me give you some suggestions for the soundtrack, shall we? 
for 1978 era. I said, uh, Lori Hums, hopelessly devoted to you instead <laughs> nice. of just the two of us. When Michael's watching her walk down the street. Uh, the end credits music would be Darkness on the Edge of Town. Oh, yeah. As it fades off the Myers house. When Linda is strangled, uh, Bob and Linda have been listening to Goodbye Girl, the song Goodbye Girl on the radio. Yeah, these are good. Uh, when Annie dies, uh, Dust in the Wind playing <laughs> oh my on the radio God. as well. So there you go. How, how about that for some, I, for some tunes? I, uh, I looked at, this is a great question. I looked up what was you know number one on the Billboard charts in 1978. And one of my favorite albums, Asia by Steely Dan, came out then and had Peg and Deacon Blues. And there's actually a lot of good... I mean, I I actually don't like the term Yacht Rock for Steely Dan because I don't think they're that. But you know what I mean? Soft rock, whatever you want to call it. There was uh, Reminiscent by Little River Band uh, was also that year. Um, Yeah, Steely Dan, like I said. And then uh, Eddie Money, Baby Hold On, which isn't really Yacht Rock. But anyway, it goes to this point of one of the scariest music cues for me in Halloween 2 is Mr. Sandman, right? Which is a very innocent sounding song that shouldn't be creepy, but because of its use in the movie, it is. So I I would love to see that same idea applied to some of these rock songs. Like, I don't know, having (laughs) having Linda get choked out while reminiscing is playing is like really disturbing to me, just the juxtaposition of that. Um, Yeah, so I I think that would, I mean, I, I agree with Justin. I don't think it, the music would be quite as iconic as the score, but I think that would be a really, really cool uh, way to do it. Also, Exiles Kiss You All Over was there, which I, oh, I mean, oh, ha- man. Happy Gilmore, <laughs> one of my I mean, favorites. No, yes. It would be so funny if the, it was using that and Happy Gilmore and like, which would be more iconic because I can't think <laughs> yeah. of that song without Happy Gilmore. Um, we do get Don't Fear the Reaper in there. Yeah. Yeah, that is, yeah. Which I mean, I, I like the no, the low key needle drops in, in Halloween. Like I, yeah. I think, and especially the fact that it's, uh, don't they use Carpenter's own band and at one point yeah the like, uh, bowling green orchestra i think i think if you expand upon the needle drops and you do those popular things it doesn't become a 70s movie anymore it's an 80s movie like it just mm. i just don't feel like Good 70s point. had that many yeah. needle drops like this anyway vanderbilt you're the music man oh man we go full on it's haddonfield which is either in southern illinois or western illinois and you do all 70s bar bands that were on the scene Heaven oh, yeah. Tonight by Cheap Trick. That yeah. album came out that year. <laughs> I'm Leaving by Pez Band. Full Moon Turn My Head Around by Off-Broadway, although I think that came out a few years later. Please uh, be correct on this, because people hate it when, when songs are, are wrong. <laughs> uh, it's a Miracle by The Names, the other band out of Rockford. Uh, some The Thumbs. I really liked putting Kiss You All Over by Exile in there. Yeah, and I think all these would be really cool, but you can't not have that score. Yeah. I can't believe you included Cheap Trick. If they yeah. ended, <laughs> ever heard the song Heaven Tonight? You ever heard Cheap Trick? <laughs> if, if Heaven they, Tonight is perfect for this movie. It'd be awesome. If they combined my favorite movie with my favorite musical artist, Bruce Springsteen, I would like lose my fucking mind. I was and say, hey, when, and also the cover of Darkness on the Edge of Town was shot in Haddonfield, New Jersey, which is where Deborah, yeah, oh, Deborah Hill yes. is from. Hell yeah, of a man. year for 78. Yeah, man. What a good year. I, I mean, if, if just shave off 30 of it right now to go there um god it sounds like an old football player yeah but, um, i mean this is a really it, wonderful time i mean you've got you know i'm like all the, the nightmares with uh, minorities and yeah what they're going through and the iran contra things about to go on a couple years later and you know reagan's just around the corner get me back to 1978 <laughs> Look, you know but, pop culture is great though but at least at the least the music was great. cool and the, and the clothes were cool because everything yeah. always is gonna suck this is true. This is true, and that's what I stand by uh, for sure. Um, 
Any other any other tracks we got they want to add? No? That's All a wrap. Right. Well, I know this guy was uh, in a place where a lot of music was born, a place called Seattle. He just uh, shared some photos with me of uh, going all across Seattle and uh, the museums and, and whatnot with uh, Nirvana, which is the grunge movement. Uh, this Nirvana man is Matt tonight. Elliott. Uh, Nirvana hey, Matt, tonight. Sorry. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Matt's name. Hey, Matt, what's up? <laughs> well, hey, you, you, you asked him what's up. Why don't you, why don't you read his question, Caffrey? Will do. Matt, uh, I don't know if you're back from Seattle yet. If you are not, hope the travels are going well there. Uh, given that the Halloween franchise has evolved into the confusing Choose Your Own Adventure franchise, which timeline has been your favorite and why? Mine is still Halloween, Halloween 2, H2O, and I know we get Resurrection at the end of that, which sucks, but you can cut off there if you want to. Yep. I still love the fuck out of H2O's ending, and that's the timeline the comics obey, so that's easy for me. That's mine. Justin, what about you? Um, I gotta say Halloween, Halloween 2, 4, 5, and 6 um, because I like 4 and 6 as much as I like H2O and all of those are better than Resurrection. Oh yeah, but if you could take away Resurrection though. It's part of that timeline folks, you can't do it. <laughs> Alright, well then I'll uh, take that then. You know, it's, yeah, sorry, it's, it's gotta be the, it. it's the Jamie, basically the, the, the Strode Lloyd uh, what is it, a Quinn a quintuplet? I guess uh, so. Five, yeah. five? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. I mean, you get a better end. Like, even though I still prefer my timeline, you get the better ending with, with the one you're suggesting. Like, ending with six is much better than ending with Resurrection. Oh, yeah, where he op- wakes up in a morgue? Okay. What a fucking joke. I, I, you know what's funny? I forget what the alternate ending is for Resurrection and what the actual same one thing. is. There's like three different endings, right? It's like, like one he like jumps thing. out of the, the, yeah. the ground. I think, yeah, I think one the they other show one he's like, rising. Stupid. He's in the... He's being dragged out. He's getting put into like the ambulance or something. I can't remember anymore. He goes back in his home and I, I, uh, in, in do, to those tunnels that were, you know, there. Do you think the uh, Do you think the burned mask and kills is a reference to the end of Resurrection, where his no. mask is kind of burned? No, they've, been, they've done a pretty good job being pretty fresh. So I don't think that's. <laughs> 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 oh, All right, no more, no more, no good. more one stars. No, the, that was a good one. Vin, no more Vin, soy Vin, boy action. One of the. the one of the handicaps I, I, I associated for myself with this is we can't choose the original. We can't just say the original. So you got to choose the timeline here. Uh, I, I knew you motherfuckers were going to do that to me. But all you have to do is, is look at my letterbox ranking of the films, which I finally dropped after years of saying I wouldn't do it, where I ranked the entire Halloween franchise. And every other person seems to think that I left out Halloween 3, but it's in there. It's, it's, it's on the list. And if you just look at my star ratings of the movie, it would have to be the... Like Dan, uh, two, H two O, and fuck it, I'll take Resurrection. I like bad movies, so like, I don't like that that's there because I one of the reasons I love H two O so much because I think even for eighty minutes, it's kind of a drag. Is that ending? And I think I it's so good. And I don't like yeah, that they true. pull. I don't like that they pull back on it in the next one. That uh, really that upsets me. It makes me mad. But that's the best timeline. That's the yeah. best timeline. Well, well the cards. It made us mad also, and uh, you can listen to it all in our Halloween Resurrection episode in which I have a nervous breakdown about halfway through um, because I had to revisit that movie. Um, Nick Debniak. I hope I got that right. I apologize, Nick, if I didn't. Uh, Is the Dean Cundy blessing on the new Shout Factory releases enough to buy them again for any of you? I don't think the 4K release that came out in the past year or so looks particularly great. Well, I'll answer it for probably everyone here. No. 
I lived through the Anchor Bay era. <laughs> I have enough versions. I thought that box set was good enough for me. And let's just say I don't need to get their trilogy box when DGG's movies come out. So you know, there's a answer. there's a great article uh, written by Katie Reif of the AV yeah. Club about all of the all of the it covers just about all the releases of the original Halloween on on home media. That it, it's even reading it, you're, I'm still kind of I get my mind gets twisted trying to figure out which one I like or which one's the best. Um, she I, was in our studio for the it. Uh, when we were doing recording the book episode yeah, for she- it. And I remember she saw, because we used to have all the Halloween stuff in there too in a corner. And I remember she pulled out one of the VHSs and was like studying it for a second. And then that that piece came out and I was like, ah, her mind was in, uh, was in the videotapes. <laughs> but. I, I still think too, I am with you guys. Like I just don't need to see the movie in any different resolution or ever. I mean, I, I grew up watching the fucking taped copy of it off of USA that yeah. started five minutes into that first lead scene, right? And then I had the blockbuster VHS. But I yeah, I love the one Rob in the box. That's the one that you and Justin have. The that it was, yeah. I think it's like the only time all of them, including yeah. the zombie ones, were in one place. And the packaging, the bonus features are amazing in that. I agree. Yeah. Check I, this agree. Out. I mean, I got I think, these. Like hell, pulling this out. Like, do you remember these? The anchor. I have that. Show. Like the yeah. the double VHS yeah. orange tapes. Yeah, I, uh, with like the black cover. Yeah. I just want to know: is there one you guys feel is definitive? I honestly, like, I'm, I'm not talking about my Blu-ray special, collection. I'm not talking about special features. I'm talking about strictly. The way the film is presented, I, I, because there's a so version that's a little audio more blue. Snob. I'm, I'm much yeah. more of an audio snob than I am a visual snob. Like for instance, I, I just did, I didn't put the DVD and I just streamed Halloween: The Return of Michael Myers on Shutter and I thought it looked great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, I don't know. because we're showing. Uh, I'm yeah, showing uh, the 35th anniversary. Oh, toss that in the garbage. Edition. Is that a bad one? Of awful. Really? No, I have no idea. I'm sure it looks oh. fine. <laughs> this one looks fine. Mike, I have this one. This one was amazing. I will say, this limited edition one is really good. And I I did not want to get another one after this because I felt like, I remember when this came out and it hit Sam Goody or Suncoast, I think Suncoast, and I just thought this was the coolest fucking thing ever. And like the features are still great. Um, the only problem is that this doesn't have the commentary that, the, that I remember everyone bemoaning the fact that it didn't have the commentary from the laser disc. You always talk about Mike, which is I mean, oh, that, laser, that laser only, disc. There you go. That's the ultimate presentation. I think so. For everything. Yeah. 1978 Halloween. The Do you only have it? really imp- important thing. And I don't think, I don't think this would be an issue in 2021, but as back in the day, as long as you didn't have a pan and scan version, because that actually yeah. does cut yes. off a lot of the, Oh yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That and the second um, one. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. The second one, especially. And so, it's not, I mean, I don't know who's gonna, who's even gonna find a pan and scan right now. I mean, I guess you could uh, uh, get a blockbuster offered the pan and scan, right, Dan? Yes, yes. Because I didn't you know see what a lot of those shots later. I have to double check, but on in the box set there is the TV edit of Halloween Two, and I think it is the cropped version. Oh, that might be true. I don't think it's yeah. widescreen. Interesting. I think it's the actual TV the elusive version, the pan and scan. God, it was so hard to see. I remember waiting every time I would show on AMC, I'd be like, "Is this it?" And then I'd be like, "Nope." <laughs> Not it. Um, we good? <laughs> yeah, that's a well, whole other episode right there. Well, look, oh, last. Sure. But we're showing the 35th anniversary edition at the Rock Island Public House on Halloween night. I'm still debating if I'm going to get there Halloween night or if I'm going to get there Friday for the costume contest. I think if I do Friday, you said that you're off. So. Well, Friday I'm off. So Friday, yeah. I, at least as of right now. So Friday I'll just be out there, you know, hammered up with you guys. Sweet, sweet. Well. Let us know which dis- which version you decide. To- if you go for the laser disc one, that'd be pretty fucking cool. Just Mike, all joking aside, just don't use the 36th anniversary 3K, three point two. I have an ultra. I think I have an ultra Blu-ray called. edition. Oh, who knows? I, well, yeah, I've got the Uber Ultra Blu-ray version. You gotta get that one. Uh, That's the real well, difference. You said Blu-ray. 
and blue is the tone that's on the, the cover of, uh, of, of you know a rental that we, or actually a Randy's wreck that we had Paul Verhoeven uh, he did Total Recall wow. and in Total wow. Recall they say going. get your ass to Mars and we are going to get our ass to Mars because he has a question right now Justin read Mars's question Mars I was thinking maybe this is Nick Mars from Motley Crue you think <laughs> yeah he's a huge fan <laughs> Just chilling out. Or Chris Myers from the replacements. <laughs> oh, or maybe, well, maybe Chris Myers half like spooky stuff. Mars Volta. I first saw Halloween four through six when I was young enough to mix up the definition of niece with daughter. So I initially <laughs> always thought that Micah was trying to kill his daughter. I spent a decent amount of time wondering the how, the why, and who he had sex with. Is there anything major that went way over your head when you were young that you didn't understand or realize until you were a little older? For me. I've told a story before, but I remember the first time I picked up the Halloween box, my mom was with me, and she said, and I asked, what's this about? And she said, oh, it's about this this crazy guy in a mask trying to kill his sister. And I, so the first time I saw Halloween was the TV edit, you know, where he, like, craw, craw, you know, scrawls yeah. sister on the door. So in my mind, that was just always the idea. Yeah. I know it kind of ruined it for Mike, but for me, I, it would, it, that's why the sister thing and the, and the bloodline absolutely has never bothered me yeah, because yeah. I mistook that for just being I just thought it was from the beginning part of it know? and there was one period where I actually and I don't know where I got this idea was that Halloween 2 was about Michael Myers but the first Halloween was about the boogeyman and they Ooh. were different characters like that was a brief mm. thought I had as a young man where you know you just see parts of them on television mm. and I still and the, the niece thing to um you know, Mars, M-A-R-S, Mars, uh, your question. Uh, the niece thing always, I never really put that together. And even when I was watching the producer's cut of Halloween 6 today, oh, Lord, I was, go, I was yeah. like on the edge of my seat trying to figure, wait, 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 wait. It's a strode, they li- but they live in a Myers house. But that's not the Myers house from part five. But <laughs> <laughs> They dialed but, down the mansion. Yeah, It really does just, look like the original one, though. Be, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, but I, I have like, how are these people out really? I was never very good. The brother and sister thing's the only thing I could ever put together. Caffrey, what about I you? I had two very little things. I mean, and also to Mars's point though, I mean, we do get some incest in the, depending on which cut of six you watch, but anyway, that's a different story. That is true. Um, oh, so two really, these aren't huge things, but small things, you know, when I was 11, I just didn't understand what they meant. Um, the first one is in the first movie where they're walking home and what's the sequence of the line where um, Annie says something about like having a place to, and then Lori realizes she forgot her book and says shit. Yeah. And then Annie goes, "I have a place for that, Lori." I for the long like until I was an adult, I never got that Annie was talking about a place to shit. I thought she was talking about a place to have sex or something because they're talking about boys at that time. So that's the first one. And then the second one. You know, it's funny about that, Dan. Real quick is yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Again, I watched it so much on on USA that they cut that line. Right. Maybe Weird. that's why. Because yeah, maybe that's why that just got like imprinted in my head, and I didn't realize till later on that it was actually a joke. Because yeah. I think on USA they're just talking about the the boys at that point, and they don't say shit. So maybe that's exactly. why. yeah, that's, that's a good observation. Um, and then the second movie where Bud is doing his version of Amazing Grace, "Come sit on my face, don't you cry, I need your pie." I just didn't know what any of those euphemisms were when I was younger. <laughs> I mean, I was eleven. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, should I have known that? But no, I'm like, oh, I don't think I know what "sit on my face" meant or "pie" meant. You know, and so I just never. And then, and then um, Jimmy gets really mad at him right away. I was like, "Well, what's he getting mad about?" He's just talking he about pie. pie. He wants pizza pie. Yeah. So those are my two that I distinctly remember. 
the blue humor of the film. That's I love it. I love it. It's so innocent. Yeah. It's so well, that's but, so you, yeah. Caffrey. It's, know, it's, it's so cute. I when I watch it. those movies alone by myself in the in my living room, like getting the shit scared out of me, so I just picture being so scared to me like wait a minute so yeah what, what <laughs> well, about you mike you know it's weird because i when i when i watched halloween the curse of michael myers as a kid you know i used to think that cults were so far-fetched but then you read about jeffrey epstein and his island and you're like holy shit i can't believe how you know real um wild and, and, and insane and, and fun disturbing uh cults are so that was, <laughs> uh, was that I went over my head i said fun everybody yeah okay, i know I we, we, look, it's, uh, uh, what a fucking nightmare that is Oh, Mike cut off. See, I'm telling you, you can't talk about that on on tape, or they're gonna come get you. Yeah, they're they're. Uh... <laughs> God. Uh, let me let me. Uh... Yeah, we're fine. We're, we're, we're all keep, good. Keep, we're keep good. this. Keep it all going. Back in, definitely. All right. Well, look. Um, are we all good? Oh yeah, we're good. Yeah. We're good. But okay. I, I agree with you, Mike. Like cults are much more believable now than they were 25 years it's ago. It's weird. It's weird how that uh, that stuff has aged for the best. Uh, unfortunately. Um, Oh, man, my head hurts. I kind of need to go to the drugstore. Maybe Vincent's drugstore, as in Bradley Vincent's drugstore. Caffrey, read this next question. I love this question because it really made me think. Bradley Vincent asks, "What do you guys think is the scariest moment in the entire franchise?" Mine, and I think, it, and we've talked about this. Speaking of pan and scan and whatnot, there are a few shots in both the first two movies that I did not see in full till later on in life, and they just really freaked me out because, and they all, were all peripheral shots of Michael Myers in the background, and the one that. It's I don't it's not a particularly scary shot in the movie, but it's once again it's Michael Myers moving around in daylight, just going about his business and no one seeing him, which is scary. Mm-hmm. It's when Loomis is waiting for Brack in front of the hardware yeah. store, and Michael's parked, I think, down by the cemetery, and you see him pull up. You see the station wagon pull up, and Loomis has his back turned, and there's that moment of turn around, he's there, he's there, and in the in the uh, um, letterbox version, you see Michael pull up. He like looks both ways and he crosses. I think Mission Street, whatever it is, in South Pasadena. And it's such an innocent moment. And now in the USA version I had when I was a kid, I just saw the car drive by really quick, which was also scary. But there was something about later in life going, oh, no, he was slowly pulling up and probably getting a kick out of fucking with Loomis, right? Like, you know, Michael saw Loomis. It was like, oh, I'm going to drive right past him. And that really freaked me out because we get some insight into Michael Myers, like, playing pranks on people, which I think Vanderbilt was saying is a, a big part of his personality. His mythos. So that's, that's mine. It's the one that's always going to stick out to me. And I've I've been to that intersection, and it still looks the same, and I just picture him doing that, and oof, yeah, very freaky. Yeah. yeah. I think Justin. that makes, when, when you talk about uh, Michael Myers being playful, it makes a lot of things in that first one make more sense. Oh, 100%. Why, why he does all the, the you know, the, the pomp and circumstance in displaying the, the ghost bodies. and the arranging. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a Halloween prank, right? Um, yeah, yeah, which is really freaky. He's a troublemaker. Like Woody Woodpecker. It's a whippersnapper. <laughs> <Steamer. laughs> Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> That's a, that's a Seinfeld ref, but uh, Vanderbilt. <laughs> <laughs> Vanderbilt, what's the scariest scene or what's the it's scariest moment for you? Easiest question I think we've ever had on this show for me, and that's when Lori's trying to get into the house and Halloween's coming down the street to get her. Halloween. You use the title joke. I love this. This is it, we got to keep this going. Too many people enjoyed it. I can't stop doing it now. Uh, when he's coming, when he's coming after, and she's trying to get those keys unlocked, like. Not not in a situation that perilous. Maybe just like coming home and having to really use the bathroom. I have felt that. Oh God! Yeah. Not being able to, to get, get the keys in the door. Oof, and scary. honestly, uh, on the flip side of that, when she's walking over to the house, mm-hmm. the first time, the kind you of mirror images of each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that's such a that's a beautiful scene. Um, I just love the the, the 
atmosphere of it. Um, Justin? I think it's simple. I think it's when Tommy looks out the window and just sees him standing there that's across mine. the street. Yeah. That's yours too? Okay. Yeah. I, that's... I thought yours would be the trick or treaters pass by. Mm. It's 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 my favorite shot in the whole franchise. I thought yours would be the laundry, Mike. I always thought that was the. I have that's right behind it. Um, So I have a pretty good movie. There's a couple scenes there. There's a couple scenes. (laughs) That that image is one that 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 always gets me. That because as I've said, I don't necessarily consider Halloween a scary movie to me anymore because it's just so comforting. I've I literally fell asleep to this movie for ten years straight. So I just find it. I love being in this world, but that sequence and just putting yourself in Tommy's point of view is chilling. Um, having said that, rewatching six, I forgot how the entire sequence with Deborah Strode is so fucking creepy. Um, yeah, when is. she's alone in the yeah. house, the way that Joe Chappelle, our boy Joe Chappelle, um, he the way he does peripheral horror in that, where he's always blurry in the background, is so creepy, and he's standing pretty close to her too. Um, so yeah, she sees know. him there too, right? She turns around and eventually and sees him. And then just right, we don't see her seeing him. It's kind yes, of like eventually she does. Yes. Yeah. It never comes into focus for us until he has got the axe. Yeah, Oof. it's fucking merciless. That was one of that was the first GIF I ever saw. Was Michael hitting the using the? I remember the, it was, the that was in the the TV trailer. Was that her, of him holding the axe and swinging it and saying "Curse Michael Myers" or whatever it was. Uh. Good old days. Good old days. <laughs> I think it's you know, scary but, when Sartain's brain shit out of his head. Oh my god! Does he live or uh, does he kill? I, I will say that might be the first Sartain reference in this episode. Yeah, that's really crazy. wow. I, I was so. trying to hold back on it because a lot of people just don't think it's that funny. <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah, I know. Get, get one, out of here. One, one, one guy. One guy on Twitter. Uh, oh, wow. Well, if we go by what one person says about anything, then we're, we're in a lot of trouble. Trust us. We just stopped are, doing this five years ago. <laughs> there are a lot of clowns in the Halloween franchise, but uh, let's just say Sartine's the, the biggest one. He doesn't even have to wear a mask. So, Jeez. Um, oh, anyway, Vanderbilt, take, uh, take the next question uh, from Angela. Okay. Angela Noyola. Green's Halloween trilogy is said to be a contained story contained in the garbage can. That was me. I added that. Although there will be a time lapse between kills and ends, do you think this time lapse will provide a springboard for future Halloween 3-esque films? And do you think today's horror cinephiles <laughs> are more receptive to the concept of films without Michael Myers than they were in 1982? I'd like to say yes, but I think a lot of people would be bad out of shape about it. Honest to God. I mean, honestly, I, I want I want Michael Myers in my Halloween movie. Yeah, I, in, yeah, I know we keep. I'm, I'm honestly the same. If we're being honest, yeah. look, horror Twitter and cult audiences would welcome Silver Shamrock, but like I said earlier, cash and IP is king. So sure. Michael Myers will always be around as long as there are Halloween movies. As long as there are movies with Halloween in the title, I could, Michael Myers will be involved. It's I could see Blumhouse doing. You know, we've seen this: The Conjuring spinning off and Annabelle and all this yeah, stuff. Absolutely. I could see them. Mar- not calling it Halloween, but just calling—I sure. honestly calling it Silver Shamrock. I could see people going to that, but if, I think yeah, if that has that word Man, Halloween. Guys, my said, fucking I agree. back door just opened. <laughs> Wait, really? Do you need to go check it or go check it? I'm sure. Well, I'm sure it's the fictional Michael Myers back there. Yeah. It's, oh, it's Halloween! That was so fucking creepy. Halloween's so in the creepy. house. You probably didn't latch it all the way in the wind. Probably is it? Is Sammy so home or? Just keep this as part of the show. Is this is this a host part two? I hope Halloween doesn't get him. To be fair, I heard. I, no joke. Five minutes ago, I heard 
like it sounded like my TV was going off or going on, but I was like, why would it take an hour and 15 minutes for that to happen? So I'm not sure what's going on. It just sounded like someone was walking in, and I was like, wait, is Sammy going in the back? And then I look over, and there's just like nothing. It was just the door open. Ooh, like, uh, yeah, that yeah. is creepy. Hey, I've had that happen a few times. Then. It was Jason Blum saying, how dare you mention yeah. the, uh, doing it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, that noise from Halloween 2 is going to go, and he's going to come and stab me. Hear the ambulance. <laughs> we'll have video. We'll have footage of it. Cause that will be true. It'll be like yeah. Halloween Resurrection. Um, to the prosecutors. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I don't even have a, a transition for this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, uh, what to say, to, to say the least. Um, are we good with this question? Or yeah. We, no, okay. Sorry. Let's go to Jaden. Jaden Hartfield. He asks, if given the opportunity to name Halloween, name a Halloween film, <laughs> um, what would you name it? Example, instead of Halloween Kills, it could be called uh, Sam Hain and Halloween Story. Let me so take, I got this to uh, mean an existing Halloween movie that we're retitling. That's what I got. Yeah, same here. Oh, okay, then allow me to take the first one, and we will call Halloween Sartain a Halloween Story. I like it. Say that. I'm done. I love I'm it. Done. I, like I would it. change. I would. <laughs> I know it hasn't come out yet. I would change the name of Halloween Ends because that's not going to be accurate, and I would change it to Halloween Eternal, and that way we just except that Halloween movies are going to come out the rest of for the rest of all time. <laughs> Halloween like, Forever. Or Halloween Forever. I bet the, well, there's Batman Eternal, the comic also. But I think Halloween Eternal sounds cool. cool you know, Halloween that. Triumphant, which was supposed to be Batman That's 5. That's right, Batman but, 5. You know. which, uh, which is funny because Halloween Triumphant is the name of the closing track on the for, on the Halloween soundtrack. That Indeed. is true. I, you know, speaking of the soundtrack, track, I, I, I thought it was interesting. It is a great track. Um, I, it was interesting that... Uh, Carpenter misspelled the Myers house again on the soundtrack listening. I wonder did if that he was really? Like, like on the actual know. printing of the CD? They do the, yeah, it's like Are the you kidding me? They do the possessive on Myers uh, with the, the R, like, as opposed to On the to actual S. print? On the, I thought They've I saw done, that no, on the stream, a, um, but I didn't know it actually happened on the actual print. Maybe it is on the actual... I'll have to look at the print, but I saw it in the there, and I was like, ooh, I wonder if that's a reference to, like, how he did it in the original one, because that's so, that's how it was on the original soundtrack, I believe. Let me look someone at Sacred Bones is uh, needs to get a better copy editor. Weird, wild stuff. What about oh, you, mine Justin? would be, um, it's easy. Instead of calling it Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, just call it Season of the Witch. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a good that would have solved yeah. a lot of problems for that movie, I think. Yes, indeed it would. Uh, I'd call the first one All Hallows' Eve. If you want to really go like a... That's cool. I mean, honestly, that would probably be more 70s-esque, too. And then it wouldn't cause the problems later on with there being two more movies called Halloween. Or maybe you could call the new one or, I don't know, take your pick. How many Halloweens are there? Three? I think for zombies, make it Halla-fucking-ween, fucking Happy Halla-fucking-ween, Michael. Oh, God. Uh, Treat, motherfucker. (laughs) You know, I'm glad that... A Halloween story. Trick-or-treat, motherfucker, Halloween story. (laughs) Yeah. that, That was Buster Rhymes? Indeed. Yeah. He's, he's into kung fu in that movie. Um, That's right. Hell right. Resurrection, 2002, Rick Rosenthal. Uh, Eduardo Hernandez, who wants to take this next question? I'll take this one. All right. There are now videos of small kids who love Michael Myers, like, for example, a recent clip of Myers showing up for a birthday party and uh, articles on how people find him sexy. Seriously, Google it. Uh, that is true. Out of all the horror icons and after 40 years, why do you think he is now seriously crossed over as the most beloved horror character? Um, I, it's funny because I don't know if he's the most beloved. In like, I think everyone has different favorite franchises, but I do agree that he, he seems to be the safest, most cuddly of the, the big, you know, the big movie serial killers. And honestly, for me, I think it's because, I mean, you could argue he does look the scariest, but he also looks the most human compared to like a pinhead, a Freddy, a Leatherface. So, you know, so I don't think 
I don't think a kid is going to want Freddie showing up at their birthday party with all the burns and everything. You know, that's why I think it is. And it's a, very, a pretty easy costume to do. That's my theory. But what about the rest of you? I, think I, I agree 100%. Part- I said it, it just makes sense to be more attractive to something with smooth features. This is how we've been brought up as a, in a society. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it's young Shatner. So that makes sense, right? too. So, exactly. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I'd say it's because he's still around. Yeah. We haven't seen anything from Freddie or that's from Jason point. in years. So he's just kind of always there. And I think despite it, I don't know, like this is like a granddaddy of all horror movies. More people know Halloween, I think, in the outside of the horror world than maybe even Freddy Krueger and uh, Jason Voorhees at this point. They do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's true. Which is weird to think about with Freddy Krueger because he was so ubiquitous when we were kids. But I think more people just, uh, people younger than us, know who and people who older than us know michael myers more than freddy krueger so i was was listening to the big picture uh sean fantasy's podcast in the ringer this morning and he had a ranking episode of like all the franchises and they really chiseled it down to you know our first three seasons uh you know halloween nightmare on elm street friday 13th and uh, sean brought up a good point in the sense that one of the reasons why they they made Halloween number one, you know, spoiler alert, but um, was the fact that it's really like the only franchise to still generate the type of buzz that's like a colossal blockbuster. Like when you think about it, like now when these movies come out, even like you know, especially now, even with Rob Zombie's movies, it was it's an event. Like it's an event that people get pumped up and they think about. And I don't. And they were trying to make the argument that they don't know if you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street when the remake happened, that didn't really happen, and. I don't know. I, I think a lot. I think it goes a little more, a little deeper into that psychologically. It's kind of like what um, kind of hitting on what Mike just said. It is that ubiquitous is the key word. Like when I was talking about these movies with Sammy the other day, she was like, "Well, I don't think the Halloween franchise is my favorite per se, but I do love watching this more than the other ones because it's so relatable. Like we all know our neighborhoods. We all know the boogeyman. We all love the decorations of Halloween, and that's never going to change in these movies." And I think that's why they have that they're alluring. Like I mean, it's it's. it's I think the other ones are just kind of they're, they're a little more abrasive than this movie franchise. I don't know. But. This is the, I, this is probably stretching it too far. But do you also think, especially in the era of TikTok and which kind of syncs up for you know kids wanting Michael Myers at their birthday parties? There's all these um, you know there are all these videos of people dressed as Michael Myers like dancing, right? And I feel like, too, because the Halloween theme is so much more danceable than, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> theme or Hellraiser. It's easy to do that for real. Like, cause, and there's all these remixes of it. You can't really, you know, you that's can't break dance. That's a good point, so, Dan. That yeah, is a very good yeah. point. I like that. I, I wonder if that's why, too. So, yeah, that's a good question, though. Well. All right. I got a boogie. I got to get up to the drive-in. The but Lost was, River Drive-In. Lost River Drive-In, but it was a pleasure shooting the shit with all my fellow Halloweenies. It was great to hear from you, as always, and uh, and uh, thanks for answering all those those cues, Vandy. Um, and we'll we'll obviously all stay on to answer the rest of them. Be well. All right, Rob Taylor, Justin, you want to read this one? Oh, I'll take this one. Um, here, let me find it real quick. Sorry, I'm just pulling it up. Okay, Rob Taylor was wondering, what do you guys think of my Halloween three theory? So I'm just going to read the whole thing. Ellie is a robot from the time she enters the bar with Cochrane getting her to the week before getting to her the week before. Everyone at the motel is supposed to be there except Chalice is the loose end. Marge was planned to be the non-believing witness who told what really happened to ensure the faith is kept for another millennium. 
When she dies, Chalice has to take her place. His escape is engineered via the Ellie bot, who is programmed to lose again so she can prove what happened. Cochrane's golf clap before perishing is real. He respects Chalice, but also knows he has killed his family and the ME by phoning them from Santa Mira, a trick on Chalice, if you will. Chalice is supposed to be able to stop the channels, hence why it's so easy. Again, so he can tell the world what happened. The cult worldwide would both grow and have their faith Sorry, guys. I to, I'm sorry if I just cut anybody off. No, it's fine. Well, you just came back in time for our Halloween 3 theory from, <laughs> yeah. from Rob oh, Taylor. Which I had to... Which, um, are, we, are we still on? Or? Yeah, yeah. No, we're here. We're here. Oh. It's awkward to come back. Sorry. No, it's <laughs> totally see. fine. Vanderbilt has left. Yeah, he had, he had to go to the old drive-in. Sorry, um, work work called, folks, and when work calls, the day job calls. You guys got the fires. He's much like uh, Jimmy and and Bud in Halloween Two. I'll say, much like the firefighters who tried to put out the fire in Halloween <laughs> Kills, I was trying to put a fire at work. So uh, I think I succeeded, unlike the firefighters in Halloween. I was going to say, yeah, I hope you didn't get a buzzsaw. Uh, or <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll be putting a buzzsaw to somebody tomorrow when I get back into the office. Oh, anyway, oh, oh spicy! We got a Michael I'll be, Myers I'll be over the there. Michael Myers style. <laughs> Um, here's my here's my take, Dan, on this. I, I think it's a hell of a take. Yeah, I do um, like it. I do. Here's why I think it actually works. Um, because Stacey Nelkin is a robot <laughs> in the movie throughout <laughs> yeah. the whole fucking film. Like, not once in that whole film do I ever think that that's like a human being. Like, is she just so – I just never – I mean, she's the weakest link in that movie. But, like, I – it would actually almost add more depth if they said, "Oh yeah, no, it was supposed to be that she was a robot from the very beginning." Like, is it kind of like a? Do you think it's like the Blade Runner question? In the first <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, I like that idea a lot. I think it makes the movie more interesting. I don't think that's the intent, but I think it's a cool take. I, I actually yeah. consider that when I watch it over and over again. I, I do too. It's it's always funny with these because. Um, uh, I was actually I was Twitter mess- messaging with uh, one of our listeners, Dara, the other day too, and she was, you know, offering up theories about the ending of Halloween Kills, and I love all these theories, and I have them myself too, but it's funny because I just don't think the filmmakers think that deeply. It's not mm-hmm. not to insult them. It's just also too. I mean, a lot goes into making a movie. And I feel like when you're on set shooting those things, so much of it is just driven by logistics and time and schedule. Unless you're Stanley Kubrick or someone, I, and especially when it comes to horror movies, I just don't think there's time to think that profoundly about that stuff. And that's not an insult. It's my favorite genre. But I, yeah, I just, I, it's maybe if it's like an Ari Aster movie or something like that, I, I could buy it. Um, but yeah, that's my, my idea. Yeah, we're yeah. There's absolutely no fucking way Tommy Lee Wallace thought about that. <laughs> no, no yeah. And I love that movie, but yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I would agree. I mean, I don't. It's I, I do. Let's like you said. I kind of love watching movies over and over again because then we come up with our own theories, and we've done that several times on this podcast. You know, not just this episode, but just over the years, we said, "Oh, well, maybe this means that." And it, chances are, like you said, no. It's it's either a cash grab or they're just trying to get a movie made. You know what I mean? Uh, but so far, ask- I, I like I like the the depths of this answer though they really have thought this out which again (laughs) you can't say that I'll put it this way Uh, Rob did not write this answer by cracking open a six pack no you know what I mean yeah that's true like Mr. Carpenter for Halloween 2 yeah Uh, Matthew DeLuna great question here I love this question it's a shame that Vanderbilt missed this question but where would Martin Scorsese's classic film The Irishman rank amongst the other films in the Halloween franchise I'd bet it at least beats out the, the Rob Zombie films and Resurrection and Revenge love you guys keep up the great work hey Matt love you too um, 
kind of say you're right. I, I think they do beat out the zombie films and Resurrection and Revenge. For me, I'd slot it right underneath Halloween, Halloween 3, and Halloween 2. What about you, Justin? I, I think that the only Halloween movies, as much as we joke about The Irishman, right? The only Halloween movies better than Martin Scorsese's Oscar-nominated 2019 2019, yeah, film. believe it or not. It feels like it was 85 years ago. Uh, the Irishmen are 1978's Halloween and 1981's Halloween 2, which both accomplish what they set out to do, in my humble opinion, better than The Irishman. But The Irishman is better than the other 10 entries. <laughs> yeah. Easily. Well, it's fair. It, it's kind of funny. Even, not necessarily easily, but is better than the other 10 entries for me. It, yeah. It's funny that this question came after our last question because we just talked about, oh, you know, filmmakers rarely think about these things, unless you are Martin Scorsese or <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Maybe not in every single movie of his, but Martin Scorsese, whether, you know, regardless of how you feel about The Irishman, he is thinking about what that movie is saying and how he is saying it and all, and theme and all that good stuff. So I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think we all have two or three movies ahead of The Irishman. For me, it's Halloween. Halloween 2 and I would put H2O above it because I, I love H2O um, and hey you know H2O and Irishman both have some questionable computer <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go true. I am blown away uh, that I hold mo- the Irishman up to a higher esteem than the Halloween movies than you Dan I, I love the Irishman yeah. I do I do well, well, I, I forgot I, as I, I mentioned earlier though you love the Halloween movies that I much do I, and I I, th- I think I had the Irishman above all the Friday movies, which I stand by because I love the Friday movies, but not like I love the Halloween movies. But those are, those are the only three I would put above. I would still say, <laughs> hot take, the Irishman is better than the majority of the Halloween films. Yes. So, I would agree. I would yeah, but there, there, there are some right below there that I still, th- I mean, I, I still think Halloween 4 is an excellent movie. Halloween 3, obviously. Um, so yeah, there's some that I think are, are good contenders for, but yeah, it would be... Uh, my Halloween, my Halloween rankings are Halloween, Halloween Two, Halloween Show, The Irishman, and then I'll. Press I feel them. like, uh, yeah, I am a little delusional. I probably belong in Smith's Grove Sanitarium for saying that Halloween Three is better than The Irishman. But <laughs> no, look, no, 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 no. They're know, both Irish. It's, I don't think it's that much better. <laughs> from being true. Honest with you. From that being is true. I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the, my my problem with it is like, I, I, I look, I, I rushed The Irishman so many times, and we talked about this on our commentary. <laughs> I, for, I always forget that we actually did a commentary track uh, for the I Irishman. <laughs> said for it's fucking unreal. Like, half of a Saturday or Sunday. We have to do it. You know what we just do every April Fools? We have to do a new commentary for the Irishman. That actually is a that's, that's pretty like, funny. That's a blast. That's and pretty I'll just, funny. I'll bring my spoken and, and I sit there at halfway point, being like, "Oh, I ate too much." Um, you could you could fun. call Halloween three the Irishman. It's just about the villain. You could yeah. that totally. <laughs> God. That's a bit that I have to write that down. That's that's got to be you know something we do there with Connell Cochran. All right, take Mike's question, Caffrey. Okay, uh, so this is from Michael Fleckenstein. Halloween Six tries mightily to tie up the loose ends of four and five, but it's hard to argue that five didn't take the franchise off of a cliff simply because it wouldn't commit to either playing it straight or going the farcical route, a la the Sixth Friday. Is there any chance that Five would have been more successful had it chosen either of those paths with a straightforward plot minus the zany musical cues gone full-blown satire, or is it irredeemable beyond all repair? I don't think any of us love Five on this podcast. I feel like I do defend it because I think there are some really good sequences. Honestly, I, I don't think this would completely fix the movie by a long shot. That being said, if you just took the music out from underneath the cop scenes and changed some of the goofy music when the girls are kind of playing around in front of the uh, the kids' hospital. I think right there that makes the movie infinitely better, just tonally. I think I think if you just get rid of some of that goofiness, once again, does, doesn't 
quite work. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe you get rid of Michael being reanimated by that hermit and everything because that's silly too. Maybe he just shows up again. Okay, I have a, I have a, how about uh, yeah, you go ahead, Dr. Go. Death? Oh, yeah. who's I've, I watched that. I watched that at Halloween uh, Horror Nights, I unreal. think. Unreal. <laughs> um, well, I, I will say this. We've talked about this all the time. We always have that one movie of every franchise. We can't figure out why we hate it so much every time, every year. And again, I have reached that point in that time of the year where I cannot pinpoint exactly why I hate <laughs> Halloween 5. And I got to rewatch it again for like the 80th time. I, I always did. forget. It's I, and I'm sure I'll hate watch it, it again. Watch it with the Joe Bob commentary. Do. It's like memento. I've got to like take a t- put like a tattoo, like a reverse <laughs> tattoo on my arm. Uh, so every time I forget, I just go to the window and, and or the mirror and just take a look and say, okay, that's why I don't like it. That's why I don't like it. That's why I don't like it. What's your name, I know Tina? the cops is dumb. The cops are dumb. And I know the hermit thing's dumb. And I know some stuff is dumb. And the, but I'm like, but I'm so much more forgiving about other things, aren't I? But then, of course, I'll watch it and say, no, no, this is actually really, really bad. So I think I'm the problem to, is there's... I'm looking forward to it. There's a couple... The, the problem is it has some good elements of it. Like, Daniel Harris is really good in the movie. There, I would say there are at least a handful of actually very scary scenes in the movie. And it's, I, it, I think it just tricks you because they're, they're part... It's kind of like... Uh, Mike's relationship with The Walking Dead, right? I don't know. I, yeah. Although maybe that's improved for you, Mike. Is that where they like they give you just enough to keep hanging on a little bit? Yes. I don't know, Mike. What? Yeah. What do you think? Well, especially when you were like binging it, it, it was enough for me to go right in and keep going. Like when it was week to week for Walking Dead, I was like, all right, I'm done. Um, here's the thing. I, I, I actually thought about a lot about this too. Um, I went on a walk today after reading these questions. I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna Lawrence Kasdan this, and I'm just gonna keep walking and thinking about all these ideas. And here's what I came up with: five. Um, because you're right, Justin. It is a it is a movie that for me falls apart right after Rachel leaves. Because all of a sudden you're like, oh no, like who do we have to lean on here? Because Loomis has lost his mind. Tina sucks. The teens are like awful, and they try to do the Deborah Hill thing where it's like it's natural. They're they're talking in a field, and we're walking in circles around them. And Myers is in the background for some reason. It's it's all over the place. So you really don't have any thing, any steady footing to ever really fall back on okay. in that movie. Here's how you fix it. You do what they promised to do at the end of four. You basically, and I think it works in the sense that if you make Michael Myers a specter of sorts for Jamie, and I think this is actually really cool. Like, so she sees Michael Myers stalking and killing everyone, right? So you just, you play the scenes for real and legit. But as we learned 75% of the movie, Jamie's really the only one who sees Michael. And there's like a scene where like Michael's standing in the room or something like that. And someone's like, there's nobody there. Mm. And then that's when we realize that she's been the killer all along. And, mm. you know, where that's you go cool. from there, like you know, we'll see. How do you fix the, f- the current movie? I think the biggest glaring thing is just the man in black. I think it's, you know, Joe Bob in his commentary uh, from the Halloween Hootenanny a few years ago. I think that's Cal- that, that's what it was. Maybe it was called the Halloween Hoedown, whatever. The one from 2019. Uh, he talks about how the man in black, they, they had no idea what to do. Like, it was literally just inserted there last minute mm-hmm. to kind of make some sense of things. You take him out, and you and honestly, this is actually a really creepy ending. So Loomis talks to Michael in the, the forest, right? Mm-hmm. And he's trying to bait him, made bait him. You go back to where, you know, the safe house is, and Michael never shows up. And you just assume that, like, well, he's out there again. And then you can make another one, you know? By then, you've done so much in that, in that movie 
that you don't really need that finale where like the guy fucking machine guns everything you just don't like you can just you know and it, and, it, and to put him in a fucking jail cell is stupid like you can't have michael myers in a jail cell sorry david gordon green no and also too like why isn't his mask off in the jail cell too no that's a good point mike because then even though they've introduced the man in black we we just see him that's much more easy to work with if it's like if, if it's just this dude who is walking around, right? As oh, I'd say guy. take them all out. You don't have that bus scene. Oh, you don't even have that? Okay, yeah, so no. you could do that and then all cut out. that out. And then at least in the next movie, we're, we're in a slightly more logical place. It is funny, too, how they did, why they didn't just have... Why did they kill Rachel? Why couldn't they just have her in the Tina slot again? I don't know. It's very strange, but yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I watch it every year, and I as a kid, I liked five more than four, which is crazy. I think just because... I have no fucking idea why, because I was a little idiot. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's people. I'm sure there are people who like five more than four. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not one of them. But no, no. I mean, it's five is a. It's a tough watch. It's a. It's a very tough watch. Um, Mark, not Mark David Chapman, but Mark David. <laughs> Too far. Uh, we'll keep it. Uh, he asks. I just have one simple question. Why do they do it? Um, damn kids. I don't know. There's nothing. That was a joke question, so I liked it, but it was cute. Um, he came you know? home. <laughs> there was something the other day on the text thread where, where I used that quote, but we were, we were parodying something, but I don't remember what it is now. It was something like, uh, it, was something about, it was something stupid about Halloween Kills. All I know is that's Arthur Mallet, uh, who is um, Toodles and Hook. And Hook. Yeah. Right. Writ- written by Nick Castle. Co-written by Nick Castle, so there you go. Do you think that's why he's in Hook? No, because I think Nick Castle probably is like one of 87 people who had their hands on that script, to be honest. <laughs> this, this was not a Robert Town wrote Chinatown situation. Robert I mean, Town. <laughs> this is not Robert Town. This yeah. is a bunch of people in the kitchen yeah. writing Hook. Uh, I think Spielberg had his hand on it when uh, when they were like, you know, on set. He's like, oh. I'm sure everybody who was anybody had their hand in that script, I'm sure. Probably Rufio. Um, all right. Ask the next question from not Michael Myers, but to let you uh, read this one, Justin. <laughs> Using what geographical information the series has given, and Warren County being a real county in Illinois, do you feel Haddonfield is northern Illinois or southern Illinois? I always imagine Smith's Grove being in Monmouth, Galesburg area, and Haddonfield being a four-hour drive, though maybe Haddonfield was in the Galena area or Mount Vernon. For people who don't live in Illinois, those are real areas in Illinois. All right, so I did some math. And when Loomis is hitchhiking in Halloween 4, there is a road sign that says that Haddonfield is 119 miles away and that Chicago is 320 miles away. So Haddonfield would be about 201 miles away from Chicago, which is about three and a half hours on the road, right? Yeah. And I always had the feeling it was down in like the COVID counties closer to Kentucky and the southeast. Yeah. Particularly because of the dialect of the yeah. mob in Halloween 4. Of course, having said all that, uh, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, no longer exists. So now I've got absolutely no clue where <laughs> the movies actually take place. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is a good question for, for Vanderbilt. Because, look, so this is we're combining these questions. So Miggy Mac asked about the geographical information. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of, now that Halloween 4 isn't canon anymore, thanks to the, the fine folks at Universal Studios and uh, David Gordon Green, um, 
I think I'm going to say it's like closer to like Woodstock, Illinois, but that doesn't make any sense either. Cause I feel like that's only like 80 miles away from Hat from how, from Chicago. And I feel like it's definitely far away from Chicago. Mm, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, I, I feel like it has to be in Southern Illinois. I mean, it's like South Jersey too, right? It's like the closer you get to the major cities, the, well, South Jersey is Philly, but e- either way. Yeah. Illinois. I mean, like many States, the further South you go, the more rural it gets. And yeah, I guess how rural depends on, um, I, I guess which universe you're going with because the new ones I mean I don't know the new Halloween Kills feels a little in the sticks just with the kind of bars they're at and everything yeah. you know but it doesn't yeah. feel so like like you said I could see that being like a normal Chicago suburb I don't think it's like right outside Chicago um, and it's funny because I thought I had been to Mount Vernon but I haven't because I looked it up and it's it feels like if away. it was close it would be like like Gurney is there Ver- Vernon Hills? Is that, a, is yeah. that a suburb? I think it might be in Vernon. And my aunt lived in, in in Vernon Hills. But either way, yeah, no, like Mount Vernon would be around the area. That, yeah, that you're thinking of, and it actually looks a lot like because it's in Jefferson County, Illinois. So, and the population is only fifteen thousand. So, yeah. I think Mount Vernon that that actually does make a lot of sense. So it would be around that area. I mean, uh, and of the places, I've are we combining Michael Ferlita's question too about where where we think of this stand in? Yeah, like what? Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys know? I mean, it's funny because I, I I think South Pasadena, right? Even though it's not. Illinois. I do too. I said I said Pasadena's original. It's just yeah, been the case. and like what what would be the stand the the real life stand in for that? And I actually I, maybe it's because my aunt lived there and I. I, I lived right near there for a while. Haddonfield, New Jersey, where Deborah Hill grew up, weirdly to me, feels like it feels like Haddonfield, Illinois, because it is more picturesque than a lot of the Illinois towns we're talking about. No offense to those Illinois towns, but Haddonfield, New Jersey, is like this very cozy, very well manicured kind of place, and I feel like that really jives with the film's themes of evil coming to invade it. So that's that's my stand, and it's actually not anywhere in Illinois. But there have been cold Chicago nights where. I mean, there are streets in Chicago that look kind of like Haddonfield, weirdly. Yeah, Chica- yeah. Chi- Chicago is more residential than, than people think it is. Um, if you ever yeah. in Chicago and you want to look and see what it looks like, you know, Haddonfield would look like, just go north of Irving Park. Um, Ravenswood. In Ravenswood yeah. area. And there's when these big giant houses are there. And especially right now where you get a shitload of really awesome Halloween decorations. Um it's it's it looks gorgeous. It's like right off of Ashland. If you just go around in that area, north of Irving Park, you'll just see some houses that you're like, okay, I could see them filming a Halloween movie here, and it would it would work perfectly. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else we want to say? I mean, I, th- I also think if you're looking at movies, the movies that do actually capture what Illinois looks like, I feel like Halloween Four does a really good job at it. Um, yeah, that's like Southern Illinois to the max. Lots of corn. Uh, yeah. I, I did go to a pumpkin patch in, in Southern Illinois that looked quite like that. Where did they? Was that all in Salt Lake City? The Salt Halloween City, Four. Yeah, yeah. even, even the corn stuff that we didn't go. Um, yeah. Yep. Although that's the problem. It's like in Halloween six, you like blatantly see like mountains in the background a lot of times. And that's just not Illinois at all. Yeah. So. I mean, even in, even in the first one where uh, Loomis is at the phone booth, um, you can mm-hmm. see like, he looks like he's near vineyards. As a matter of fact, when, when Loomis is hitchhiking in four, you see mountains in the background. Oh really? Yeah. 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 Maybe he's going through like uh, parts of Wisconsin. I feel like they have mountains <laughs> up there. Uh, Alpine Valley. Maybe he's like, I'm um, in the Dells. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the Dells. Uh, Halloween Dells. Well, I, I don't know about you guys, but I really like Ray Romano. I think he's just a good actor. I think he can, he's dependable sometimes, and he's a funny man. Um, I don't know if I could say the same for John Romano, um, because I don't really, I've never seen his acting resumes. But he did ask us a question, um, and he asked us, if you were recasting the original Halloween with all new actors, who would you pick? Justo. 
kick it off. Uh, I've got Scout Taylor Compton as Lori. <laughs> Honestly, I could not come up with a good answer for this. I was just... Because I started thinking, well, do I go back to the 70s for this? I, know. I guess you could say something like maybe Sissy Spacek as Lori. At the time, she was kind of like more quiet character, mm. you know, that type of deal. But oh, that's a good question. I didn't think about that. I th- you could honestly, it was like a honestly, do the Carrie cast. Amy Irving as Lori. I mean, you could. Um, what's her name? Um, Nancy Allen as Linda. PJ Souls from Carrie as. Uh... Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really confuse things. But you, you could honestly just go with the same. It's kind of like how they cast Star Wars. They had the same casting call for Carrie and Star Wars at the same time. Well, imagine if they had the same casting call for Carrie and Halloween instead. You know, you could probably mix and match that way. We um, I don't remember how we got on this. It, it's a joke. Although I do, there's one part of it that I think would be cool. We we had this running gag for a while. I don't remember how where we were gonna do like a hip hop version of Halloween, but it it would be the three Migos as the babysitters. <laughs> so, and then I think Drake is Michael Myers and Rick Ross is as Doctor Loomis. Um, and obviously that would be stupid, right? Except for Rick Ross's Dr. Loomis. I don't know why, just the look of him. And I feel like his, I feel like he could do this monologues really well. And he's been in some movies and he's pretty good. I think I, I would like to see Rick Ross's Dr. Loomis. Uh, any, I mean, the Drake, uh, Migos thing was just a joke, but Rick Ross's Dr. Loomis, I think could actually work really well. I don't know why I just have a gut feeling about it. Well, may, Hey, maybe, maybe in the, the fifth reboot fourth, I, I lost count, but, um, why not? You know, for me, if I actually answered it in the sense that it would be today, um, but I do like the idea of going back to the seventies. It's such a fun idea. Fuck, would have thought of that though. But anyway, I felt if we kept on a brand with the original Halloween, you go for a Star's Child, and I was thinking like, all right, who would like do a, you know be a good Lori? So that Mod Apatow might actually work for for um, Lori Strode. Um, is she still acting? I think she is. Yeah, I think she could. You know, well depends. I mean, she's done a couple of things here and there, but. I feel like she could kind of pull it off, you know, just keeping that, um, you know, more nerdy Lori. Because I feel like that was the problem with Scott Taylor Compton. It was like, how is she not the most popular girl at school? But um, anyway. That's also the same problem I've got with, you know, Freaky and, um, yeah, like Queen's Gambit. Like, oh, look at these freaks. Look at these nerds. It's like the most beautiful women to walk yeah. the planet. You know? It's, it's like in that another teen movie. It's like, oh, she's got glasses. Exactly. Taking on her overalls. It's like as progressive as Hollywood keeps saying it, they are. It's like, look at all these beautiful young people. Yeah, they don't really care like looking people. Yeah, exactly. It's a joke. Hey, this one. This is right for you, Caffrey. You gotta, you gotta get this next question. <laughs> yeah, I love this question. This is from Narjar. Do you feel like Hubie Halloween was a spiritual successor to the original Halloween? Now, we all. This was in the thick of COVID. I mean, we're still in COVID, but you know what I mean. Like real, like no vaccines, couldn't yeah. do anything. It was cold. We're all inside. We all, and by all, I mean pretty much all of us on Halloweenies, and then most of us on the Losers Club. <laughs> decided to all group watch Hubie Halloween together and, and just text. And I, I was already watching all the Adam Sandler movies because I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan, even though a lot of the movies are horrible. And Hubie Halloween as a comedy is not any better or worse than any of his other crappy comedies. It does have atmosphere out the wazoo because they it actually does. did film it, it in Sandler. It really does, yeah. And so I know this is kind of a joke question, but when you say it is this is it the successor to Halloween, 
in terms of atmosphere and just making a town look like Halloween and having this feel like the fall, I feel like maybe Halloween maybe could be the success for successor, at least environmentally to it. Uh, Not a lot of mountains and he'd be Halloween. There are no, it does look looks more North New England, right? Yeah, it's in yeah, yeah. Salem, Massachusetts. Um, I'm going to Sleepy Hollow this weekend, and so oh, wow. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Like, I hear Salem and Sleepy Hollow kind of compete. Have for, you heard the legend of the uh, the headless horseman? <laughs> I, I have. I, <laughs> if you went there and you didn't know, you're like, whoa, this. Wait, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Wait, I'm just coming here to see the pumpkins. What the fucking horseman here? And we're going on a haunted hayride. But uh, but yeah, no. So I, I actually do think Hubie Halloween. Um, in a few years, it's going to be the oh, we on Twitter we don't talk enough about how Hubie Halloween is actually oh, successful. Successful to Halloween. That's when uh, that's when I want to tweet. Uh, we don't talk enough about suicide. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I had actually a, 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 a counterpoint that might could be kind of fun with this is Hubie Halloween better than any Halloween movie. You know, oh, I, I can't give it a rating because we were talking throughout the entire thing. It's true. <laughs> um, it's true. I, I, so I can't give it a fair judgment. I do remember not thinking it was great. It's the voice. Um, it's just the voice. I can't handle it. It's I, the voice. I think I, I can great. safely, I can conf- confidently say it's better than resurrection. I think there are parts. I, I believe mean, even, I agree. Even just least. for the atmosphere. Probably, even better than, probably, probably better than revenge of Michael Myers. Probably better than first Rob zombie. One, one or two of the zombie movies. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's better well, than like maybe Halloween Kills. Should I say Halloween Kills? Yeah, no, oh, I was gonna wow. say I was gonna ask more cogent. You know, it makes more sense to me. That, you know, it is actually though. At least it stays totally consistent throughout the whole. <laughs> that fucking movie. It does actually. You know, There's more total consistency <laughs> in fucking Hubie Halloween than Halloween Kills. I feel yeah. like, and I'm you know I'm saying this as the guy who liked Halloween Kills. I feel like. I feel like it, we're all so shell or uh, we have Stockholm syndrome for talking about Halloween kills. So it's like, yeah, Halloween might be better than Halloween anything. Kills. I mean, honestly, it, it's it's like it's like in that in the movie Room when they first leave the room and you see like you know they're all, it's like all light and bright and everything. That's how I kind of feel like it's going to be when we stop talking about Halloween kills. But um, <laughs> it's just like is we us I, in a white room looking down the hall. There's going to be a, a woman with a white horse or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be me, my brain at the end of all this. Well, good news. We got one last question, though. Um, it's from my man, Tyler Durden. Um, no, just short, short Tyler. Uh, I'm going to read this one because I'm going to kick it off uh, to one of, one of you. Um, after watching Halloween 2 this week for The Isle, I revisited the episode from season one of the podcast in the episode. You guys briefly mentioned Justin's screenplay for Halloween sequel that would have been done in black and white. If you care to share... Can you tell us more about this script, uh, Justin? Remember when you want? when you asked Ty West, um, "Hey, you should you, would you consider doing an, a Halloween movie?" And what did he tell you? He said they'll never uh, never let it happen. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, this thing is that movie. it's not it's not a very funny script. It's not over the top at all. Um, it's very quiet. I tried to make Michael Myers scary again. Um. And that's all I'll say now, because who knows what could possibly happen down the line. You never know. You never. You know. say the name of it. You never know. You don't have to. I'm not going to make you. Uh, Halloween. Halloween Snowfall. It's excellent. I read it on a cold Chicago winter. It's great. Yeah. That's all I'll say about it. But it, it was it was quite good. Uh, and to be fair, snow happens to fall on Halloween here in Illinois a lot. So. Well, that's what inspired me to write it. Yeah. Is and I I did, I did a lot of research about snow during Halloween and and it's definitely snowed really bad. I did a lot of research about what happens during really bad snowstorms and cell phones and everything else. I really thought it out. Like how do oh, you make awesome. it scary? It's, it's now? a good. It's really good um, and it very yeah, simple. So it, it was like, I did like a first. I mean, I banged this thing out a couple of days. Like I was just feeling really inspired. 
Yeah. And I just really did like a draft I would send it around to some people. I know I sent it to you guys. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of it, this is like, I wrote this like six, seven years ago. But now we're just in the thick of everything being about trauma where it feels like it would just be so redundant or reductive <laughs> or something at this point. Because it really is about, if Lindsay's in it, and she's still there, and kind of Tommy kind of moves back into town, but he's still dealing with it. Is you know, there's a lot of dramatic elements to it too, and I feel like it's just been so played out poorly over the last seven years that you know I don't think anybody would want to see that. I, I, I hardly even want to revisit because of all that, you know. So I just I picture you like getting a meeting with Jason Blum, and he reads it, and he's just like, "There's not enough references." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. How about <laughs> Big John, Little John? <laughs> you know they're really they're doing really well on social media. I know it's a different timeline. But can you get Big John, Little John in there? Uh, I will you, say the I moved I moved to Chicago in October 2007. I want to say it was like October 8th I moved there, and it was the earliest. No, 2006 you moved. To or 2006, you're right. God, yeah. yeah, you're completely right. I think October 2006. I could probably verify this if I look up the date. Whenever whatever the day was, I moved there. It was the earliest snowfall I think in like a decade or something. It, it was. It was like a full on, um, not not a snowstorm, but like snow on the ground and piled up um, before Halloween even happened. So I always thought that idea was really cool because it does seem to be a kind of a thing that happens in Illinois. Maybe not this year, yeah. I guess, right? Because you guys. It happened that. two years ago. I oh, remember yeah. when we went to go see Doctor Sleep uh, for Halloween and uh, or Halloween night or Halloween Eve. And the next day it was Halloween. I had to write it, the review, and it was snowing like The Shining. And I was like, well, there this seems go. on brand, See? but it also just wa- washes away the, all the decorations. It's weird. Um, you got to send me that script again. I, I'd love to read it uh, again. I, it's, I still it's have it so saved. I'll, uh, maybe I'll take another look at it and get depressed. You well, get, you, you, you're going to open it, and it's like Dennis Nerdy, but Jason Blum's face going, uh-uh-uh. Ah, <laughs> ah, right. You shouldn't have said that uh, Well, look, you have another reason to be depressed because I hate to say it. This bag of tricks and treats is empty. So we got no more musketeers. We have no more take fives. No more Mr. Good bars. We've eaten them all. But uh, look, before we get up, dust our pants off, and head out to Lampkin Lane, I wanted to give a special shout out to all you patrons who submitted questions. Look, we love all our listeners, but you folks set the bar when it comes to expanding our imagination with this franchise. Because I gotta say, these questions tonight, really inventive, really imaginative. And this is coming after like, what only like four or five weeks after we did our previous tricks and treats episode so pretty good uh so thank you but look if you're not a patron be sure to join us at www.patreon.com slash backslash halloweenies pod where you can get deep dives commentaries and basically be privy to all of the special events and episodes that we you know drop at random uh, kind of like uh, our last episode in Haddonfield this month, which is going to see us ranking all the scores in Halloween with uh, Score to Death author Jay Blake Fischera, who was on um, our Prom Night episode, right? I mm-hmm. think so. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but short of that, we'll be seeing you next month because we're going back to Woodsboro. We reach the final scream entry before Five Cream hits theaters in January. We're talking 2011's Scream 4. Uh, and Caffrey, I believe this is the first time you're a suspect at Woodsboro. It uh, is, right? yeah. Having- I had to. I made some scheduling snafus. I think I was supposed to bring Scream Two, and it didn't happen. Yeah. So I'm excited. I Scream Four. It, I watched the first. I rewatched the first three a couple years ago, and I did. I didn't rewatch Four, so I'm excited because I only saw it in theaters once. I remember liking it pretty well, but I don't remember much from it other than the, the first few sequences, the kind of 
tricks they the kind of fake outs they keep doing that's yeah. really all i remember so i'm excited to revisit it ahead of the uh, fifth one i mean we got a while before the fifth one right <laughs> but, uh, well yeah. we do have a while yeah. but uh look, three months when you think about it, it's not that far it's, away it's really? really not that I far guess you're it's, right it's, yeah all right yeah, this, and this season's gonna go by fast so um you know look this has been fun i hope you've all had fun here in the myers house and we'll be seeing you soon uh back in haddonfield if you're a patron if not We'll see you in Woodsboro, as I mentioned. Uh, in the meantime, be sure to lock your doors, bolt your windows, and, and turn, turn off out the lights. lights. This has been a bloody disgusting show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>